Hey everybody, welcome back to the Phil Craft Survival Podcast. I'm not your host, but Kevin's here. You were a host. I was. You did a you did a hosting, right? Yeah. Uh, we're just going to go to yours. <laughs> okay. Yeah. This is not the plan. But so, yeah, it's whatever. So I sat down today with Dave Steinbach. Uh, I've known Dave for years. He uh, spent 21 years in the Army, mostly Ranger Regiment guy. Um, then he went to the Army Marksmanship Unit and got out and bounced around a couple of companies. But a really good chat with him. Dave was actually my SEER instructor in 2003 and probably worked there when you came through because you came through right after me. So uh, really solid dude, a lot of experience, very... Uh, accomplished long-range shooter and uh yeah we sat down today and talked for about an hour and a half about his career and his life and it was super interesting yeah it's i always love the stories of the military guys who have done so much in their military career and then how they're navigating the civilian world yeah. and then crushing it and he yeah. seems to be crushing well the transition is always <clears throat> a little difficult but and you'll see guys they bounce around from company to company and uh until they settle where, where they, they belong and um yeah, it's a really good conversation. Awesome, man. I'm looking forward to it. So, hey, this podcast is sponsored. Our first sponsor is BCM, Bravo Company Manufacturing. Me and George actually did the, I guess it's going to be part two of the capability, mm -hmm. right? With the cap the capability, the first one was with Northern Red, Tom Spooner doing CQB, really cool video. Actually, I think they did a part two. So we might be the part three, mm -hmm. whatever. But it was uh, sniper-centric that we did with Bravo Company Manufacturing, thanks to John Chang of Black Powder Red Earth and BCM. Um, but we filmed a basically me training George how to be a sniper. We did mm -hmm. stalking. We did observation. We did uh, kind of an urban, rural hide. You remember that, right? Yeah, I was, I was back at Bragg clearing. Oh, were you? Yeah, oh. I was supposed to do it. It was super fun. Yeah, you were supposed yeah. to be with me, <laughs> uh, but I use a psyops guy. I know, but, right? But I trained him for that. George's so. too big to be a sniper. He's too. He big. looked like Sasquatch with that Galisa. I know he did. Every time he walks, uh, <laughs> like next, like through something, he would glance at me like that Sasquatch pose. <laughs> um, I love George, but it's a cool video. Bravo Company Manufacturing is a, a really cool company we've been working with. I'm a sponsored gunfighter for them. What's even cooler is we're going to get our FFL soon. Mm -hmm. And we're going to carry Bravo Company manufacturing AR-15s, as Sweet. well as a whole bunch of other stuff. Also, we're sponsored by Triarc, and it's it's really fitting to mention them in the context of the FFL, because hopefully we'll be carrying Triarc as well. These are two proven companies in the AR custom space mm -hmm. that have done great things. Um, you could use Fieldcraft, one word, at triarcsystems.com to save 5% on a build or whatever you want. I got their Trial 11 custom pistol. It's like the uh, STI equivalent. It's just better. Yeah, it's there's so better. many uh, companies out there building AR-15s. It's hard. Like for somebody who doesn't know about guns to look at all these 50 different companies build the same thing, it's nice to be able to have companies that are recommended by guys who've used them extensively. Yeah. And uh, we, we would stand by both of those companies. that They make phenomenal products. Yeah, before we even got in bed with them, they took yeah. us on a lot of dates. And we were like, <laughs> you know, we, we're not doing that until we know exactly what yeah. we're getting into. Yeah. Um, we're also sponsored by, you might have heard me just crack a Kill Cliff, but we're sponsored by KillCliff.com. Look, Kill Cliff does a lot of things for the veteran community, uh, more so on the Navy SEAL side, but we're all about supporting veteran advocacy anything and this company for profit helps them out the navy seal foundation with um, profits and then uh, partitions it to help the navy seal foundation uh, also you guys could use survival one zero to save 10 percent at killcliff.com and i'm a big fan of the recover and that uh cbd drink oh that's good oh that's man good, i'm addicted man. to that drink yeah. we've already run out of that i know we need I a think you're hoarding them 
I I'm am. drinking to recover right now because I've been with you all day and I need to recover from that. I know. So that's I know. You need the caffeine in there because your old genes, <laughs> you're getting worn down. You're only good for three hours at a time. You need a nap. Um, but also, hey, guys, we're sponsored by uh, Dometic as well. If you guys go to shop.dometic.com, what is Dometic? Man, they make overland fridges and a whole bunch of uh, solutions for outdoor leisure refrigeration. Um, they have battery compartments. They have drawer systems. They have a whole bunch of cool overland stuff. If you go to shop.dometic.com, uh, you guys could use Philcraft for free shipping. Also use Philcraft 5 to save on checkout. Philcraft 5 to save on checkout. And our last sponsor is Casey Highlights. Man, Casey Highlights is one of my favorite uh, overlanding companies, period. They, they use lights to bring people together in the overland space. Uh, it's really cool. It's kind of what we do in culture where we try to create a culture behind preparedness, they do the same thing behind their lights. And George's truck looks good with those lights on. I know. Yeah. That makes the truck. I'm next. They're more expensive than the truck. <laughs> His truck's... <laughs> His truck's a piece of garbage. It, it is a piece of trash. Um, he got spinners. He was going to go with spinner hubcaps on that, <laughs> but, you know, we talked him out of it. Uh, Casey Highlights, that's H-I-L-I-T-E-S.com. Use Philcraft one word to save 10% on checkout. And uh, without further ado, let's just kick off that podcast. Okay. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fieldcraft Survival Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, and with me today is Dave Steinbach from Maxim Defense. Okay, so me and Dave have known each other for a long time, and uh, we ran into each other periodically through, through our, both our careers, and uh, it's really cool to have you here. Thanks for doing yeah, this, Dave. Yeah, no, I'm glad to yeah. be here. Thanks for asking me. You're not glad to be here. You're not comfortable with this at all. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. I wasn't either, right? And it's I'm, so I'm hard still to talk not. about yourself. It really is, yeah. yeah. But, but it's good to get that story out there. So just a real quick uh, overview. Dave spent 21 years in the Army, mm -hmm. uh, most of it in Ranger Regiment, yep. uh, some of it in the Army Marksmanship Unit, yep. which is not easy to get into. No. Then you've been out for about six yeah, years. Yeah, about six years now. And you've you've worked for several gun companies in the industry, and you've bounced around a little bit. Yeah. So, uh, really interested to hear your story from, yeah. from from the start all the way through. Oh man, right? from the start. <laughs> from the start. So funny story, right? And we'll get to it. You were my SEER instructor in 2003 when I was on the Q course as a ranger, which is I, I didn't even make the connection until the other day we were talking, and. Uh, yeah, once we get to see her, remind me to tell that story okay, about, about, yeah, the, yeah. about the sausages. Yeah, yeah, I remember it clearly. Do you really? Yeah, I, I, yeah. Rem I remember that. Yeah, um, yeah. And then, yeah, how weird. How many years, how many times we crossed each other's paths right? since then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you were, the, was that a three-year tour for you? Yeah, three, yeah. three and a half. Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. But uh, kind of the, the template we do here is we, we go back to the start and we tell the story from the start to give context, right? Yeah. So if you could... Just go back to like where you were born, where you grew up, yeah, um, sure. your early life. And then, you know, a big question we get a lot is what drew you to the military? Because something clicks and it's either a movie or it's a mentor or somebody someday goes, why don't you join the army? That'd be pretty cool. So what what, what was that trigger that kind Man, of pushed you I in that direction? Always, I always knew I wanted to go. See, that, that's an answer I get a lot. Yeah, yeah, I always knew I wanted to go. Yeah. My grandfather was uh, like, he was my hero. Yeah. And... uh yeah, he was, he was, so my grandfather was a leg private in Korea, mm. leg private, you know, yeah, and by yeah. the time Vietnam rolled around, he did three tours of MACV, really? you know, and he got medevaced all three times. Like this last one, he got, he got, he got really jacked yeah, up yeah. and uh, he had to reclass, you know, so he, he wound up being a, uh, he was the provost sergeant, not the provost, the, um, 
oh shit, I can't think of the the provost marshal. Yeah, yeah. MP. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was the provost marshal sergeant major there for like Fort Riley, Kansas, yeah. like his last couple of years where he yeah. retired out of. It's such a disservice for Vietnam veterans like him, right? Who just crushed it and were mm. warriors, but all people focus on or the peace protests and, and the guys smoking dope in Vietnam. I always think there's a disservice to the guys in, in SF and Max V and all those guys who like did free fall operations into like Ho Chi Minh Trail right. and, and, and did phenomenal stuff, like just balls of steel. Yeah. But it's kind of forgotten about in history, which which drives me crazy sometimes, you know? Yeah. Um, all right, let's go back to uh, early childhood and where you were born and, and, and stuff like that, just to get some context. Yeah, man. So I was born in Missouri, Cassville, Missouri. It's like the southwest portion, you know. And uh, um, my mom's family is from northwest, sorry, northeast Kansas area, right? So that Kansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, tri-state area is really where my family's from. Mm-hmm. Um, but my mom got pregnant really early. Like my mom was 14, had me at 15, wow. you know, so like... I make a joke on Mother's Day, like, you know, I'm talking about, you know, I survived abortion, you know. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't find it as funny as I do. but <laughs> That's army humor, man. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so she had me really young. Um, her and my dad got separated or divorced when I was like one, mm-hmm. you know, and, and he was out of the picture, uh, never really saw him. Well, I, I take that back. I guess when I was like two or three, my dad stole me, you know. Um, oh, wow. yeah, kidnapped me and took me to like to his mom's place and wherever. And, uh, my grandfather and my mom came and like stole me back. They took a empty suitcase with like yeah. just garbage yeah. shit in it, you know, yeah. like, it was like bringing my bags to me. Yeah. And my mom was like, okay, let's go give grandpa a hug and walked out to the car to hit me up, threw my ass in the car and took yeah. off. If you're going to kidnap a kid, make sure his granddad's not a Max Sog B <laughs> yeah, guy from right. Vietnam. Right. 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 Uh, your, your mom's probably like a really strong person, right? Very, because yeah. when you go through that difficulty early that early on you're so young and so immature you probably made her such a strong person yeah i mean and she's a hard worker you know she's smart she's funny she's loving she's caring yeah she's a good woman you know and and her and i growing up obviously i wasn't the easiest child Mm -hmm. i'm pretty strong we're like we all tend to be Mm. you know i I was kind of a shit really as a kid yeah Yeah. and and did she beat your ass oh fuck hell yeah man (laughs) so like you know have like a wooden spoon set that sits on the Mm. on the coffee table Mm -hmm. I honestly thought as a kid, like, because there was a wooden spoon with a hole in it. I know now it's a gravy spoon. Yeah. I swear to Christ, man, I thought, like, when you buy the set, you get a free whoop your child's ass spoon. Because <laughs> my mom would tear my ass up with yeah. that wooden spoon. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it just gets to the point where you grow, you outgrow it where it doesn't hurt anymore. And you're like, eh. Yeah, yeah right. Oh, I, yeah, yeah you, wanna, you really want to hurt me? Make me go write some sentences, <laughs> you know? <laughs> All right. So, um, early, early childhood, rough? Uh, yeah, it had its challenges, you know, so my mom's, you know, I have to keep back and realize that she was a child with a child. Yeah. You know, and then my grandmother died when I was five and she was my mom's rock. Mm. And so that family dynamic really kind of did, did deteriorate and fall apart. You know, then my mom married her, you know, her next husband and, you know, three, three stepdads later, you know, yeah. um, yeah. finally, like my, the guy I called dad, my stepdad, a phenomenal man came yeah. in my life when I was 10 just a great dude, yeah. you know, a little good, older than my good role model. Yeah, great, yeah. hard worker, you mm-hmm. know. We ended up moving to North Carolina because at the time he was working uh, building power plants. He was a he was a pipe fitter and a welder. Mm-hmm. We moved to North Carolina, uh, and I was like 13, 14, and uh, lived in North Carolina till you know I was twenty, mm-hmm. and uh, 
Yeah, I joined the military. But here's like the thing. So I wanted to be Force Recon Marine. Okay, of course you did, because you saw Gunny Highway and right. TV. You know, I mean, they got fucking <laughs> dudes with flaming swords fighting dragons. Of course, who doesn't want to do that? You know, my grandfather was. It turned him sideways. He was like, no, 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 no. He, he was overly against it. Yeah. Um, and so I was in the delayed entry program to go to Marine Corps. I was supposed to go to Paris Island nine days, like after graduating high school. Like I was in the depth, the delayed yeah. entry program, and I got into a fist fight. And so I had charges pending against me. Mm-hmm. And they're like, hey, the, you know, you got to get that shit squared up. Um, charges were dismissed. They were dropped. And then I went back and I talked to the recruiter. And he was like, ah, this is like during the Clinton era. You know, so yeah. like the military was really drawing down. Yep. And getting in was difficult. And the Marine Corps, which I thought was odd, told me, oh, you know, we looked at your record a little harder. And uh, we just can't take a, a chance on you. Because I had 13 assaults and like two assaults. I just like to fight as a that's kid. That's the guy you want. Yeah, yeah. that's what I thought. Yeah. Right? I, I just soon hit you than talk. I, I'm not very quick with the quip. You've met my fiance. Mm-hmm. You know, she's wicked smart, right? Mm-hmm. Like she's just, she'll tear me up in a verbal battle, yeah. right? I've never been built that way. Like yeah. my number one comeback usually is like, fuck you, and then I put my hands on you. <laughs> yeah. uh, so the Marine Corps wouldn't take me. And the, the fishing guy, or the, sorry, the fishing guy. The, what, what year was this? This was uh, 93. Yeah, that's well, it was 91 when it first started, yeah, right? Yeah. That's when I graduated. That's when I was yep. supposed to go to... You know, I didn't get into the Army until 93. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know, working at the brickyard, you know, as a kiln car, welding welding and cutting and just, you know, scratching a living, trying to get into the Army. Yeah. Uh, my buddy was in the... He was the Army recruiter there. He's honestly... I'm one of the very few guys that I know that I still have a great relationship with my recruiter. Right, yeah. And he's a great dude. Everybody I, else wants to kill the recruiter. Right. Yeah. I fucking dig mine, you know? Like, do, do you die, Do you buy into this premise that the military attracts kids from broken homes? Did that structure appeal to you because you grew up with, 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 with a lot of instability, instability maybe with, you know, with your mom being single and then, you know, a couple of stepdads. Do you think that that structure or that being part of something bigger was an attractive thing to you? Yeah, I'm sure. How could it not be? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. But, but was there something specific about it? Was it because your grandfather or was it, was it something else? I, I don't know. I, I guess I've never really thought that deep mm. on it, honestly. And I've never really peeled the onion back. I, yeah. Because a, it takes a certain type of person to serve, right? And to serve in a combat arms unit or a ranger regiment unit and go to war multiple times, it takes a certain type of person, you know? So I'm always interested in what, what draws people to that line of work. Well, here's an interesting thing in terms of like identifying traits mm-hmm. uh do you remember when soft was going through the big push to grow soft I'm, I'm sure oh yeah, yeah. remember yep. we were, we were yep. everybody There's... was adding squadrons mm-hmm. and we were adding yep. battalions we were adding all you know yeah. and they brought these hundred pound head guys down to regiment because they wanted to know quote like what what makes a ranger what makes a ranger yeah you know what are the things we're looking for in a, yeah. in a ranger and we filled out you know the mmpis again and we did these block charts and block charts and all this shit whatever mm-hmm. everybody did right I don't remember much about it. What I do take away when they left, they gave us an out brief. And what I thought was really cool, two things I took away was uh, one, he said that uh, the vast, I don't remember statistics. What do they say? Uh, 37.9% of all statistics are made up on the spot. Yeah. yeah, right? yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but it was like well over 80% of the guys in regiment wrestled in high school. That mm. was one of the, that was, there was a few things they noticed. And like yeah. that was one of the triggers, you know, so. Hmm. Like I wrestled, you yeah. know, I loved wrestling. I think it's the greatest sport in the world. Yeah. You yeah, know? Yeah. Um, the other really thing I thought was funny was, uh, they said, yeah, like they tried to like determine like where our 
personalities fit in society mm-hmm. and guys from regiment most closely, if they weren't in Ranger regiment or, or some soft unit, some SF unit, they most closely associate with, uh, MC motor clubs. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. But the only thing, the difference between us and like the MCs is we have a very strict moral compass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 Um, I wonder, I, I, that'd be an interesting report to read. Yeah. You know, I, I wonder if it helped at all or it was just you know, thrown in the corner and, and disregarded, right? Yeah, right? Because unless you're specifically recruiting people with those traits, I mean, I don't know where they took that information. But It'd be hard to target that anyway. It would be. It yeah. really would be, yeah. Um, all right, so so when you joined the Army, did you join as 11, 11 Bravo? Or, yeah, I joined yeah. as 11 Bravo. And so I had, to have a, I had to have a moral waiver to join the Army. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. That's why it took me two years to get in the <laughs> Army. You know, it's like I didn't know the level of hoops I had to jump through to get mm-hmm. that. Like it took a congressional letter really? state and state that you know hey um, and then they gave me a, a moral waiver so yeah 11 bravo went to fort benning you mm-hmm. know basic training ait jump did, school all that right there did you have a rip gun or like a radio contract in your in your original contract no so what i was told initially was like you know hey I, we're fishing this is before i could join the this the marine corps just happened right? yeah so let's back up like two years yeah. marine corps thing just happened i just graduated high school I'm like, what do i want to do my buddy who's the recruiter the mm-hmm. army recruiter him and I were fishing buddies. He knew I was dead set in Marine Corps. He, he's like, there's no talking this kid into the Army. Right? What, what attracted you to Marine Corps? I, I, I honestly, I think... Uh, the uniform? No, I think it's... <laughs> you know what? I think they do a good job at... You know, everybody else stands up and, hey, we'll give you, we'll give you this for college. We'll give you this. We'll give you that. We'll give you this. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And, and the Marine Corps, I think what attracted me to it was the challenge. Yeah. Because they'll tell you up front, hey, man, yeah, we'll give all those things to you also. But out of 100 of you here... Maybe ten of you will make it. Yeah, you know, I think so. It's having that drive, which you know goes back to wrestling, goes back yep. to comp- the being challenge, co- being competitive, being challenged. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. I, I think that I think that had a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, we were fishing. Me and me and Curtis Short. He was my my recruiter, right? And it worked out great. I had access to all the fishing ponds, you know, and he loved to fish, mm-hmm. and he had you know access to uh, you know government lunch. You yeah. know, so yeah. he'd give me subway. I'd take him to fishing ponds and we were sitting there fishing. He was like, Hey man, you want to be an airborne ranger? I'm like, what the hell is that? Yeah. Come by the office. I'll show you a video. So he shows me a video. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I want to do, yeah. you know? And, uh, so he signs, we do the paperwork, you know, it's a long process, got in, you know, so now we're back forward again. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, he told me, he's like, Hey man, uh, go to, uh, He's like, you want to be an airborne ranger? Like, yes. He's like, so I didn't have a rip contract. I had a moral waiver, so I, they weren't given rip contracts. Mm. You know, first it was like, hey, I can give you guaranteed station of choice, 82nd Airborne Division, you know, and we're from Sanford. Like, I'm, it's 37 miles down the road. Yeah. You know, he's like, he, and he quote, this is the only time he, you know, he's like, quote, you know, you'll, you'll go to ranger school from there just as soon as you would from the 75th, right? And I'm like, okay, well, okay. I don't mm. know any better. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I do that. I get there. Like, you know, I'm a brand new private and I get there and I'm, I realize really quickly, like, uh, this is not where I want to be. You know, um, I went and joined like within the first, they had scout tryouts, like in the first six months. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to, went to scout selection. I got my bag smoked before selection because, you know, whatever, that's what they do. So they yeah. smoke my bags that morning. Then I go to scout selection, flew through scout selection. And, and I did, you know, a couple of years there at scouts, which was honestly really good for me. Was that you the 18 Dublin? Core? No, that was the Lurch guys. So okay. this was the battalion scouts. Okay, yeah, yeah. But the cool thing was there was a selection process to get in. Every mm-hmm. ra- every every NCO there was you had to be tabbed to be there. Every NCO, hell, half of them were from regiment. Mm-hmm. You know, they had a DUI or whatever, and, yeah. you know, and went down the street. And all of them were like, dude, you need to be in regiment. Mm-hmm. You, you know, so 
I put in my my paperwork and eventually got picked up to go to go to regiment and moved to Fort Benning and, and stayed there. You yeah, know, um, never left again. Yeah, well, yeah, I went well, to I went to Third Battalion and uh, I went to Bico, which was oh, a phenomenal place. Like it was just yeah. great time. It was just all pre GWAT, you know. So yeah. you know, running and rolling and, and training and it was just really cool. Yeah. Ended up taking them. And I left I left Third Platoon Bico and took a platoon in First Platoon Bico mm-hmm. or a squad. So I took a squad in First Platoon Bico. Um, did that? I was a senior, senior squad leader. You know, obviously uh, Mogadishu '93. Right. You you came in probably right, right around behind, that time, right? Right yeah, behind it. Right so behind we did the regiment right behind that thing, right? Yep. Um, did because I was in the '90s as well. I came in in '96, but I went the first Cav division, right? Oh, yeah. God, that was awful. But um, I remember doing training and having like no money, like no blanks, no smoke, like because because. Clinton got at the military. Yeah. Was the regiment hit by that as yeah, well? Yeah, man. I can remember, I can remember like not opening up chem lights. Yeah. Like we had chem lights, we yeah. were using them for markers or whatever, yeah. like not take them out of the package unless we had to use it. And if yeah. you had to use it, you could use it. Yeah. But if you didn't, we had to go turn that shit back into supply. Wow. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That, that I thought regiment would probably be exempt from that, but I well, guess Well, that not. was a long time. Think it back was. to, yeah. like everybody sees an Aimpoint now and now we're doing micros. Think that was back in the time we had the old Aimpoint 3000s. Yeah. You know, yeah. like the little tubes that were like on top of our rails. Yes. Remember yeah. like... Yeah, absolutely. We or, had no or, idea I was in we first division, so I had iron sights, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I always say this too, like the Ranger Regiment in the War on Terror has evolved more than any other unit in the US military. It absolutely. started the War on Terror as elite infantry unit and ended as a tier one special operations unit. So good for them, man. Yeah. And they do a great job. So um, so you go to regiment. Was it all you'd hoped it would be? Really was. Was it? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean, I got nothing bad to say about regiment at all. I, yeah. I love my time there. I love yeah. the experience there. You know, like any unit, mm-hmm. it's got its highs, it's got its lows, you know. Um, I've got nothing bad to say about that place. I've I, never talked to a guy who left regiment on good, like spent years in regiment. Like there's SF guys in Green Berets, right? And they wear a regiment scroll, right? right for right, combat scroll. Right. And if you, they, they associate more Ranger regiment, even though they've been a Green Beret for 10 years, maybe um, they still consider themselves Rangers, right? Yeah, yeah. So whatever the Ranger regiment do to, to build that esprit de corps, they do a great job. They yeah. really do. I just came back. We spent uh, Memorial Day weekend. I just drove 900 miles one way. Uh, to go spend time with a bunch of guys from regiment up at a ranch, you know. Yeah. Just came from all over. And I only knew one dude there. Yeah. You know, and then when we left, it was like, man, like we've been brothers forever. Yeah. You, you know, yeah. It's, it's like, that shared hardship thing, yeah, you yeah. know. I mm-hmm. think pain builds a family. I honestly believe that, man. I, I would get new privates. Yeah. And I remember I would, you know, you go through the private picking slot process. It's almost like the NFL draft, you mm-hmm. know, when you're a new private battalion. Um, we should talk about that. <laughs> Do it. Let's yes. talk about it, right? <laughs> So uh, I'll just give you like, okay, so... You get these new privates, right? Whatever you have, the, the platoon gets issued, whatever, eight new privates mm-hmm. based off whatever manning requirement you have. And uh, the platoon sergeant will stand up. Well, after, this is after the you know, squads get them. So now all the squad leaders are fighting over. You know, and, and these privates have already been through like Ranger uh, Rip and stuff yep, like that, right? Yep. They've already been through an assessment process. So right. they've shown that they can suck it up. They've got, they're, they're tough enough. Yeah. Um, so they've already been through. It's not like they're coming straight off the street. Oh, no, yeah. no, yeah. They're third-time volunteers. You know, they volunteer for the Army. They volunteer for Airborne School. They volunteer now for RASP. It yeah. used to be RIP. Mm-hmm. Um, they're squared-away kids. When you get them in RASP, has done a great job at making them more functional element, portions yeah. of the element. You know, but these privates show up, you know, day one, and you may call them. depends on when. 
I had this kid named Tool. That was his nickname because everybody has nicknames, right? His nickname was Tool. Great, great ranger, right? The reason he got his nickname, Tool, we came in from the field. It's, it's three in the morning. We finally came in on a, on a, on a Thursday. Um, this is all the pre-GWAT, you know, our day yeah. of life would like, you know, you'd roll out on a Monday, you'd go mm-hmm. to the field, do whatever. You'd come home on Thursday, you'd clean up guns late through the night, and you'd usually be off Friday. Yeah. You don't recover, yeah. you know, or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. But that was a common way of ba- life. Back then, uh, it was mostly airfield seizure type stuff that the regiment were doing. Um, light infantry strikes, right? It has evolved, but probably back then it was a lot of airfield seizure stuff, was there? Yeah, we did, a, uh, we only did, like, we would we would practice that TTP, you know, a couple of times throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rest of it was all, you know, individual and then individual training tasks that yep. led to collective training tasks, you know, so individual, squad, platoon to company, you yeah. know, and like, honestly, the big culminating event for us, I mean, airfield seizure certainly was a huge culminating battalion level event. Mm. What we did a lot of was uh, platoon and platoon and squad platoon and company attack okay you know we did a lot of that yeah. uh, with task force 160 of the little birds coming over head support you know mm-hmm. and bringing all the elements to bear mm-hmm. uh, that was really our bread and butter so all the patrolling pieces that have to be worked out for that to, be, yeah. to happen you probably had a lot of senior guys still there that were in Mogadishu, right oh yeah mm-hmm. so i guess some i guess some great friends man i i remember when those guys came down to film in fact you know and like uh you know all the actors came down and went through a mini rip to, yeah. to see what it was like you know yeah. and uh I got a lot of really good friends that I was with in Biko that uh, were Somali vets. And uh, when they finished filming that movie, they took they took the entire battalion to the to the movie theater there on post. We all filed in, and like it was cool because like Kavako was killed, Pila's mom, you know, some of the parents mm-hmm. who lost their yeah. sons, you know, were was front center. Yeah. And then right behind them was uh, you know all the all, like, all the Somali vets. Yeah. Um, then like the actors and all them were like next seat, and the battalion just filled the rest. And this is before the movie had been. No one had seen it yet. Yeah. It hadn't been released. We got mm-hmm. the first viewing, right? And so uh, Jerry Bruckheimer gets up, talks. They, they show the movie. And at the end of the movie, like when it's over, like you could hear a pin drop. Like an absolute, the entire, it, crickets quiet. Yeah. And then we had a big social. Well, I wound up with one of the uh, Black Hawk Down movie posters. And it's cool because like on one side of it, I've got all of my buddies who are Somali vets who signed it for me and yeah. wrote, wrote, wrote some cool epitaph. And on the yeah. back, I've got all the the actors and Jerry Bruckheimer oh, signatures. Cool, yeah, yeah. yeah. The travesty awesome. is it's rolled up in my corner right now in my office. I know, you know, right? like I, yeah. I'm so horrible at that shit. <laughs> yeah. Someday you give it to your kids, man. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So so new privates coming in? Oh, yeah. Sorry, yeah. man. I'm rabbit hole. I know. Back. That's okay. That's what it's all about. So uh, we, we show up. It's three in the morning. You know, we had this we had this phone called the Growler. It's the old TA1 phones. You know, had the yeah. TA1 wires. Because yeah, this was the old yeah. barracks, right? Yeah. And yeah. it's like we and we our boys were on the third floor. So yeah, we if had, you disconnect them wires and put it to somebody's ear yeah, while they're sleeping. The shit out oh of yeah, yeah, it's yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um so we, we, we call it the growler. We get up at three o'clock in the morning, you know, rah, 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 rah. you know, send you know, send all the new privates to the CP. So they come barreling down, you know. And they're scared, like you know, they're brand new private. They don't this they're gonna get see their leadership, you know, mm-hmm. their their squad leaders and up for the first time. Mm-hmm. It's four in the morning. We still have camouflage, we stink, yeah. you know, it's loud. They, they they line up, locked up, you know, parade rest. They all got their PTs on except for one. He's wearing a tool t shirt, like the tool of the band. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And of course we're like that became his nickname. Uh-huh. Um but like I would ask these cats, you know, I had a couple questions like when you're doing the private pick thing, like you know, I'd ask them all the shit you really you could never do in the civilian world, right? Yeah. HR are just like, oh my God, man, you it. did what? Yeah. yeah. You know, like, I, I'm going to ask you some questions. Uh, raise your hand high. Keep your hand high if it applies to you. Okay. Who here wrestled and played high football? Who here wrestled or played football in high school? Keep your hands up. Okay. Are you that wrestled and um, played high school? Uh, who here has ever been in a fist fight? 
Okay. Uh, who here conserves? Who here considers themselves conservative or, or Republican? Okay. Yeah. Who did uh, two ninety or higher in a PT test? Okay. What's your GT score? What's your GT score? What's your GT score? Okay. What's your twelve mile road march time? Okay. Welcome to first flood. You know, mm-hmm. kind of that. Yeah. I would. That's kind of my yeah. matriculation. So then I would get these cats, and uh, once you get them on by yourself, you know, do your initial counseling and stuff, and I'd ask them like, hey. One, you always ask them, why, why are you here? What, you, what made you join regiment? You always get the same canned answers, you know, because they're scared. They don't, yeah. I don't blame them. I, yeah. I remember that mm-hmm. shit, you know, like, you know, I want to be elite. I want to, you know, all yeah. the, want to be with the best. Right. You know, you know mom, apple pie and American flags. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, all right. And then I ask them like, Hey, look, man, and I'll tell them like, Hey, you're about to go back there in the zoo where the, where the boys are. And you're going to feel like an outcast, right? These boys, are, they're, they're, they're thick and you're going to feel like you'll never fit in. But in six months, we'll have this conversation again. I was like, and I'm just going to ask you now, like what builds a family? You know, and I've already asked them a couple of canned questions before, you know, so I'm like, what builds a family? And of course that kind of stumps them, you know, and you'll get some random, you know, whatever. But my take has always been, and this goes back to what we talked about before about shared experiences, mm-hmm. pain builds a family. Mm-hmm. I think when you suffer with someone, you know, when you froze with someone, when you, you know, you've bled with someone, when you've buried, you know, one of yep. your own, yep. you know, that, that yep. pain. Mm-hmm. Shared hardship. Shared yep. hardship. Mm-hmm. And like clockwork, man, I'll send those boys back there, become part of the squad. And then, you know, six months later, it's like they've always been. It's like they've been there six years. Yeah, yeah. And and anything that's given to you quickly like that, it's not worth having, right? It's right. stuff you have to work for to build that. That that really does. It, it, when you when you finally get it, yeah, it's really worth having. Yeah, um, that that's awesome, man. So, um, so, Ranger Regiment training, training, training. 9-11 happens. Nine eleven happens. What rank were you in nine eleven? E six. E six. Staff sergeant. Yeah. Squad leader. Yeah. Squad leader. Yeah. So in charge of nine man squad. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, so talk, talk me through that. What happened? When where you were when nine eleven happened? Because that changed the whole world. That, yeah. That that was that was a huge thing. Obviously. Yeah. I remember the day it happened. I I, I just because we lived on post. My daughter was my my daughter was two and a half. You know, my wife was pregnant. I would you know, after PT, I'd go home, shower, clean up, and then. You know, I was like 10 mm-hmm. minutes from time. I was driving, I was driving back to work after cleaning up and, uh, and you know, I heard the news, you know, I was listening to Paul Harvey or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. they flash news. And then uh, as I walked into, uh, into work, they were all watching the, the TVs up, you know, we, we watched the second one hit and literally within, after that second plane hit within 10 minutes, Red phones. Remember, we had the old red phones back yeah, then, the old yeah. steez and secret red phones. phone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So well, the, once the second plane hit, everybody knew it can't be an accident, right? right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Locked everything down. Um, yeah, and of course we were like, "Yeah, we're going to war today." Yeah. And, then, and then we didn't. You know, yeah. it took a little bit of planning and exercise, but you know, it was. Uh, yeah, it changed everything. Was uh, do you remember Nate's self? That was a PL there. He was in Roberts Ridge. He was the PL on the ground. Did you I, know him at I, all? I, I know of him. I don't really Okay, know. yeah. He was my PL in, in Kosovo. I just wanted to, oh, okay. you know, I know him really well. Um, I'm horrible with names too. Yeah, Do you find that? I, like, I'm terrible too. I I, I will physically, I, I think it's, you know, we're, we're the same. Like we've been blown up a lot. Like, But, you know, I will physically meet somebody new and I'll be like, I got to remember their name. Got to remember their name. And they'll introduce themselves and 10 seconds later, I'll be like, damn it, I've already forgot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, um, here's a, here's a you know, answer doing a, sorry, my brain's all over the place that's right okay. now. Uh, we're talking about like what led me to the military and kind of the whole grow up piece. That's on mm-hmm. my, my mind a little bit. You know, think about my grandpa. Here's something weird. My grandfather, Vietnam vet, never talked about time in the military never mm-hmm. you know just you just didn't talk about it you know yeah. uh when it's never wore a vietnam that hat you know that was a time when they weren't proud right yeah so after my first deployment um 
I came home, saw the family, and then I went to go see my grandfather, you know, spent yeah. time with him. And it was weird. Even when I got home, we still didn't talk about it, but he just gave me a look, mm-hmm. you know, like, like welcome to the club kind of he look. He gets it. Yeah. yeah. And, and the whole time I was there, I was there for like four or five days. We didn't really speak about it at all. Yeah. And then the last night I was home, me and him got tore up on the front porch drinking yeah. like high end vodka. And, you know, Every deployment after that, I'd go. It was my thing. I'd go home and I'd sit on the, on the porch with my grandfather. Yeah. And I learned more about that man in those single nights sitting up yeah. there afterwards. Yeah. It was just a really. Did, did you? Since you brought it up, did you ever talk to your kids about combat? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. I did, mean, did they ever ask? Um. Yeah, my 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 son not so much. You know, he was born into it. My daughter's a little older. Mm-hmm. I think the first time it really broke down was uh, Stone Seifert Edmonds had just been killed. Right. The very first two guys killed in the very first two U.S. casualties in GWAT overseas mm-hmm. were out of my platoon. Mm-hmm. And I had just left that platoon, you know, and they were killed in a, in a helicopter crash actually in Pakistan. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, they had unhooked early. And that's something that was beat into our heads. Like, man, you no matter what, you do not unhook early. Yeah. You know, your, your safety lines, mm-hmm. your tether lines. And uh, the bird was really, really heavy, you know, and it was coming off of carriers. And so they went to go to loiter and they went to sit down and, um, they lost, they lost, they lost, um, power mm-hmm. and the bird auto rotated and rotor strike and then flipped over, threw them out, you mm-hmm. know, killed them. So like, it really sucked for me, especially cause I, I had so much like, you know, you have that if I had been there, you know, yeah, yeah. type stuff. Mm-hmm. I, and I don't know, but you know, you know yeah. it'd always be, but anyway, I remember coming home and I didn't realize it was bothering me and, uh, you know. I walked in and my little beady girl's like, what's the matter, daddy? I'm like, fucking lost it. You know, mm. it's like, oh my God. I, I think part of that is you bottle it up yeah. because you have a job to do. And then it comes out at, at another point. Right. And, and people run through that a lot, you know? Yeah. So, uh, let's get back, uh, nine 11. What, what, how long? So did you guys spin up and, and start training right away? Well, no, because we already trained. Already already. Trained, we were training yeah. all the time anyway. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, really, for us, you know, it was, it was palletizing and getting ready. Like we already had, you know, at this time in regimental career, you already had like a, an IRC, a, you know, initial readiness company. They yeah. already had a, a quicker response time than the rest of the battalion. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so this spun up the entire battalion. It's like mm-hmm. palletizing our shit, getting our C bags, D bags, going through a double check-in, you know, and this is when we still had old, the old chocolate chip. Yeah. Deserts, you know, breaking bags out and making sure all the boys had their shit and then mm-hmm. finding all the deficiencies that you didn't know were there because someone, you know. In hindsight, because the, the, when 9-11 hit, the, the U.S. Army were unprepared. We'd been gone through eight years of Clinton and right. the military had been gutted. So a lot of lessons were learned, I think. Did you feel like you were, you were ready to go at that point? Or yeah. in hindsight, looking back, it, was it, were you, were you... Were you happy with your level of training at that point? Yeah, I really was. Yeah, uh, yeah. You're probably the only unit in the army that was happy with their level of training, yeah, right? Yeah, um, and I think looking back, even now, like, sorry to interrupt you, but I, yeah. you know, I think looking back on it now, we were at the right place. And as the mission has evolved, so has the operators. Mm-hmm. You know, they've, Absolutely. they've evolved yeah. with that. You know, so yeah. I think that that same level you see today is the same level we saw then. It was just a different mission set. Yeah, yeah. So, so. What happens in the months after 9-11? Um... Uh, man, one thing I remember, like, uh, so Colonel Votel was the regimental commander, you know, and we didn't know what we were getting into, but him and McChrystal, mm-hmm. uh, they, they both were like, you know, like one of the big things they said was like, hey, like, listen, once we were a few months into this thing, we need to start looking at the long-term plan. This is, they, they said, like, hey, this is, a, this is a marathon, not a sprint. Yep. 
And we had no concept for how to fight that type of fight. Yeah. You know, how to be sustained, you know, in combat with different, you know, different uh, battalions separated across the U.S. And, you know, it was just, we had no idea. Yeah. Uh, what, what position was McChrystal in at that time? He was, uh, I think he was the JSOC commander. Was he? I think. Yeah. I, I don't have a big love for officers, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But McChrystal was a sharp dude, man. He yeah. really was. Yeah, I worked for him in, in 07. Yeah. Yep. Um, he was the RCO for a while. Worked for him there, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was just cool. Like uh, he was in Balad. You know, he he was the JSOC commander of Balad, and I forget what year this. It's the year we killed AMZ, mm. right? And oh uh, five, yeah, I, yeah, I think so. It's about I think right. that was, in, yeah, I think so. Oh yeah, oh yeah, five, oh six, yeah, maybe I don't yeah. know. Anyway, the, the year we killed AMZ, oh, uh, AMZ uh, I was at Balad. and uh, I didn't know the mission was even going down. I knew shit was going down, but I wasn't sure what it was. And I walk into. Uh, I walk into the talk and watch the watch the kinetic strike go down. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah. oh, oh, that's cool. You know, and then um, the the cool thing was is like McChrystal had the ability to remember your names and your wife's names and your kids' names. I have no idea how that man wow. could do it. Right? Yeah. I walked in, he saw me, and he was like, "Hey, Sergeant Steinbach," and he calls me over and like literally threw his arm around me. Really? And he's like, "Hey," and he asked me about the kids and asked me about the wife, and we just watched the AMZ get smoke checked. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then uh, these it was so funny as I was walking out. Here's all these staff captains. You know, looking at me like, who's this guy? They're all disgruntled, like, you know, like. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah. That was fun. Yeah. Um, so, so how, how long after 9-11 did you, did you deploy? Did, did a different battalion go first? Or? No, third battalion went first. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Afghanistan, uh, Bagram. Yep. Yep. What, what, you, what was your guy's mission when you hit the ground? Uh, well, they had to build everything up. Yeah. You know, everything had to be built. I mean, the first, you saw the first, everybody mm-hmm. saw Objective Rhino, yeah. you know, and yeah. which sucked. I, I said, I'd, I missed, re- I, so <laughs> my job during Rhino was air planning. Really? Yeah, it sucked. Wow. It, it absolutely sucked. Mm. Yep. The, um, were, were you there when the, the whole um, Robert Ridge thing happened? No, Robert Ridge happened. I was at Sears School. Oh, okay. I left, okay. I left to go be the, uh, the Illinois, so made, made the seven list. Okay. You know, um, had to find a job. You mm-hmm. know, but there was only, there was like, at the time there was like, six positions i don't know the numbers exactly but, you know there's like six positions mm. open to you know in regiment yeah as you stay in regiment like i've never been in regiment but as you climb the ladder there's yeah. less and less, less. There's, there's there's a lot of sergeants there's left staff sergeants there's very few sergeant first classes right there's almost no e8s <laughs> right. like except for a couple right so that happens a lot right at a certain point you're you're if you're not one of those chosen few they're like go find a job man right we love you but Right, we got nowhere to put you. Got nowhere yeah. to put you, and that's yeah. really kind of what happened. Like, I mean, we were all fighting for this couple of platoons. There's, yeah. like, you know, Seer School popped up, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, okay, I'd be. That'd I, be. Did, I didn't even know regiment had a Seer School. I don't know there as an instructor. You know, on uh, so you were there. You went to Seer School in 02? Uh, 03. 02. the end of O two. Okay, O two, O three, O four. Uh, and then Bio 5 was back. Did you volunteer for that job? Yeah, I you did. did. Okay. Yeah. And uh, you spent three years there? Yeah, a little over three. Yeah. Good experience? Great experience. Man, yeah. it was phenomenal experience. You yeah. know, I, I went to I went to Sears School in 99. You yeah. know, so to go to Sears School in 99 and then turn around and come back, you know, a couple of years later and then yeah. work there. And I, I, you know, so you, obviously we met there. We did. Right. Yeah. Uh, That's a funny story. I was on the, on the evasion detachment. Yeah. So know? Sears broken into four subcommittees, right? Survival. 
evasion, resistance, and escape. Right. And you were on the uh, evasion portion. Yep. So once we, without giving too much away, but once we infill, we do a lot of training, then we once we infill, we have to do escape and evasion for a couple of days right. before you get rolled up. And in that escape and evasion, you have a cadre assigned. Did you just have one five-man element or did you have multiple? Uh, no, you, usually you, you'd have, you usually have one or you yeah. may have two sometimes, depending yeah. on how, how I, So in my evasion portion, we had five, I think, in my group. And we had a female, uh, she was a... Uh, she worked at Swick writing doctrine and she felt like she didn't fit in unless she went to Sears school yep. and she was the senior ranking officer and, and she did great. Yeah. She did a great job. But while we were evading, you were my cadre, which we made the connection the other day. And so we're, we're in the field and Dave comes up and he's, he's, he's talking to us about lighting fires or whatever. I can't remember, but you brought us a roadkill squirrel, yeah. which is not a lot of meat for five people. There's not. You know? <laughs> and it's nasty. <laughs> it's awful, right? <laughs> but we were fucking starving. So, and then you were like, hey, did you put any traps out, I think? And, and we were like, no, we didn't have any, um, any bait. So the next day you came back, you brought us, I think, four or five like sausages, sausages. like bratwurst, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And... You know, it's funny because you were giving it to us and, and uh, we were all thinking, ooh, I'm going to eat these, you know. And, and Dave was like, I know, it, I know what you're thinking. You're going to eat these as soon as I leave. I jobbed four of the five sausages. And if you don't know what jobbed means, you can use your imagination. And then you left and we're all like, yeah, we can boil them. You know? and you people are like, I'm not eating that. Off. Yeah, yeah, I'm not eating that. You know, so we put them in traps and I, I can't remember if we actually caught something. But so that's just what you did. You did the whole evasion piece. And you give tips on survival and, and you know, trapping and all that, I, I assume. Yeah. Right? So you yeah. remember you sit to the classes, you know, and we would give you, hey, here's all the atmosphere, you know, here's how to survive. Here's how to evade. Yes. In the desert. Here's how to evade in the in the, in the Arctic or mm-hmm. you know, whatever. You just came, you know, by the time I picked you guys up, you had just came out of uh, Little Muddy. Mm-hmm. You guys did survival. You built huts and yes. you ate we goats. killed rabbits and all. Yeah, 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 yeah. plants and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You have no all these plants. Oh, you can eat this. You can eat that. You can't remember any of that shit. No. You were so hungry and tired. Yeah. You don't remember any of it. Yeah, you, know, yeah. you remember one plant and you can't remember. Can I, I can't eat find that? it. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> we found uh, deer corn. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. deer corn. Try eat that shit. It's like eating rocks. Right. You know. And then we boiled it and boiled it and boiled it and it did nothing. Right. Yeah. Fuck. That sucked. So I, we would get you guys. Remember we do the infill. We do the night infill, and that's when uh, Richmond Nail. Remember him, old retired sergeant major. He had one. He had missing an eye. Yeah, yeah. He was there. With, he was there with Nick Rowe when they stood up. Seriously. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like we would do the infill that night, and we have you guys crawl through all the tunnels and stuff. Oh, you yeah, remember we yeah. pick you up, put mm-hmm. you in the barracks, and then uh, we just a bunch of classes on you know how to evade, why to evade. Then we started that changed. Seer school changed a little bit midway through, and we started teaching. Uh, how to defeat restraints, yep. how, to, how to get out of handcuffs. How, how did that happen? Because there, a lot of, you know, I always say there's two types of instructors to go to SWIC. SWIC's the schoolhouse that teaches all the SF guys and rangers go to some of the schools. But there's two types of instructors. The guy who comes in, and it's a great model because every year you have new new blood coming in, coming back from the war with the new TTPs, right. and hey, this is what I saw, and you continue right. to modern, modernize. Then you have civilians there. Like the, like the guy you talked about who'd been there for years and they're the continuity, right? But you, you get two types of instructors. You get the guy that comes in and falls in on whatever the guy in front of him was teaching and he just wants a quiet life, right? And then you get the guy that comes in and goes, this this is outdated. Right. We, we need to modernize. We can do better than this. Yes, we can do better. And yeah. and, and that's, a, that's not change for change's sake. 
That's right. changed because there's a gap. Right. So we, we talked about this, like, you know, lock, picking locks and, and, and hot wearing cars and all kinds of stuff. That's evasion in the modern world, right? right? Yeah. In a lot of places. So how did that come about? Um, just like you said, this was, this was uh, you know, soft across the board. The whole mentality there was like, hey, we yeah. need to start making everything better. Yeah. Kits started getting better. TTP yeah. started evolving. You know, the mm-hmm. lessons learned piece, we, I think soft across the board did a really phenomenal job of being adaptive yeah. and responsive to the lessons well, learned. But a lot of things that worked on paper or looked good on paper, when we actually applied them in war, they didn't work. Right. And, or, or they worked less than the, the, you know, optimally, right? So we had to modernize. And I, I think soft can move quicker. Yeah, than, you, the, than the regular army. You know yeah. what they say? They, you, you fight the fight, not the plan. Yeah. You have a plan. Mm-hmm. And then when that plan falls to shit, because it will, yeah. you fight the fight. On contact, yeah. 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 So uh, what what kind of things did, did you guys bring in? We brought in uh, picking handcuffs. So mm-hmm. getting out of handcuffs, all the different ways to do that. Yep. Single lock, double locked, you know, shackles, single pull, triple pull. I didn't know there was so much to handcuffs, right? right. Like, I thought yeah. handcuffs were handcuffs. Yeah, I know, right? Until we got experience yeah. with it. Like, uh, well, shit handcuffs are really easy to pick. And then right. really good handcuffs are very difficult. Right, yeah. 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 And then uh, lock picking. So we actually send this to almost like a, like a mini locksmith school. Yep. How to, how, you know, how to be a lock, you know, and that's very applicable to an evasion world, mm-hmm. you know. It's uh, also served me great later on in my career. You know, like, <laughs> you know, like yeah. when you travel somewhere and you forget your locks for your for your gun cases. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I have a lock pick. Set. Was it difficult to change stuff? Was it because sometimes you run into that mentality of people who are comforted? They're yeah, in the comfort right, zone and right. they don't want to evolve, right? Or like, it's too much effort. They, you yes, know, you know, yeah, yeah. They're, they're lazy. Yes, you know. And no, mm-hmm. I didn't find that at all. I, no, really, they were really responsive and adaptable. I was, yeah, I didn't have that experience at all. So you had a good chain of command. Great like, chain of command. Okay, that makes sense. Let, let's yeah. implement it. I understand know? why we'd sit down and have a you know have a senior hot wash. You know, mm-hmm. hey, here's some things we'd like to look at, and they would be like, okay, you know, multiple occasions they'd say, okay, well. Draft up a POI, you know, mm-hmm. we'll run a pilot course. We'll, we'll try it. Yeah. And then uh, based off the remarks and based off everything, we'll, we'll take an educated decision on, on it. And yeah. they were pretty adaptive. Good. That's good to they hear. They brought yeah. in a BSR, you know, was it Bill Scott Racing? They brought mm-hmm. them in a couple of times uh, to teach us how to hotwire cars, you know? Yeah. They sent us down. Man, they sent us to a place in Louisiana um, to, an, uh, to an, um, a transmission, an automotive transmission shop. Right, I'm kind of like, what the hell is this dude? Man, that dude taught us everything front and back on how to procure a vehicle. Really? Oh my gosh, it was yeah. great. It was honestly great. Like he had these cars broken out, so like you could see like through the doors and like yeah. almost like you've you've handpicked like on clear handpicks or or clear locks. You know, yeah. to teach you. He had all that stuff wired out, which was mm. good. It gave us a lot of like examples on how to come back and get this to the student, so that you know. If you tell me, I'll forget. If you show me, I'll, I'll understand. Yeah. If you make me do it, I'll remember. Absolutely. You know, so like here's all the different audible, visual, tactile learning systems. How do you convey this to this masses when they're already tired? Yeah. You know, that yeah. shit. It's really cool to, to like, if you, if you, are, you have to go to a three-year school to be an instructor, it's really cool to build on your skill set and bring it back, back. When, when you go back to your unit. You yeah, know? absolutely. Um, I, and, and that should be the goal. I'm going to be here. I'm going to learn as much as I can, and I'm going to bring it back and make my guys better, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so they outsourced all the training because they had to because nobody knew how to do that stuff, right? right? Yeah. yeah. Um, any other stuff? like? Yeah, we changed the entire hand-to-hand course right. for, for all of SEER school. But at the time, we were teaching SEER lines, which yeah. is like the Marine. You remember like the Marine I Corps? I remember. I went to a lines instructor course. Yeah. It was awful. Yeah, it's awful. It step crap. one, it was crap. step two, yeah, step yeah, three. Yeah. Like, like I was telling you earlier, like I... 
I had a moral waiver to come in the army because of fighting, right? Yeah. So I've been in a fight or two, right? <laughs> I've been to Sears, I've been to lines training. Yeah. I've never made it to step three in any fist fight. I know, right? <laughs> you know, yeah, right? Yeah. Fight the fight, not the plan. I had a plan. Yeah. You know, I just went to shit after that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and what, what type of, was the combative stuff you brought in was geared obviously towards escape and evasion. Right. Right. Taking in mind that, okay, you're, you're tired. Mm -hmm. You may be physically emaciated. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have the strength to go into, you know, put me in an arm bar and and roll and grapple in order, you know, it's just, so we, we focused on uh, weapons disarmament, pistol, rifle disarmament. um, And we focused stick fighting. Mm -hmm. You can find a stick anywhere. Yep. You know, yep. and knowing how to swing a stick versus just swinging a stick, big yeah. difference. So you're concentrating on finishing the fight quickly, quickly, yeah, <laughs> very quickly. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, stiff, stick fighting, knife fighting, and uh, um, disarmament yeah. is, is, was our main focus. And mm-hmm. what, also, what we did instead of giving them just a big six-hour block of instruction, we spread it out throughout the throughout the whole school. Right. You know, so we'd give hour, hour and a half, maybe two hours max. You know, but we, we spent, you know, like 12 hours of instruction spent over that short period that we had you there for yeah. a couple of weeks. Yeah. And, and it's also important to not hurt people when they're, when they've went through a pipeline for a year and a half, right. And they're right at the end. Yeah. Right. You don't break their arm or something. Right. You, you uh, yeah. Well, that's, talking about being adaptive. That's a great example. Uh, Sears school at the end, man. Well, I, in my short time at Sears school, it changed all over the map. We went from, you were the final thing. Yeah. When, I, when I first got there, mm-hmm. we were the last part of the pipeline. Then at one point we got moved to like, you're one of the first things you do. Yeah. Then we got moved to after language, you know, and then it got one of those things like, okay, well, Hey, they need to S they need SUT first, the the small unit tactics. So they know how to yeah. better understand evasion. Yeah. That's they, the good idea fairy a little bit. Right. And, and, uh, what happened was when they, like when I went, it was the very last thing we did. Yeah. And then we went to our unit. So nobody had any intel in the course because they, when they got back from Sierra, they were gone right. to all their groups or wherever they were going. Right. Whereas later, when it was earlier in the course, they'd come back Cross and they'd tell all their buddies exactly what was going to happen yeah. and everything. So there was a lot of intel out there yeah, yeah. And, and they ran into that. So I, I think the good idea for you was it worked there a little bit. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know where it's best fitted. I, I liked it at the end. Personally. I like it at the end too. Yeah. 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 So, um, so three years of brag, huh? Yeah, yeah, Camp McCall. Yeah. Was, uh, I, I loved it. It was great. Yeah. You know, some great experiences really broadened. You know, it's good to professionalize yourself as an instructor yep. and start looking at, you know, I'd never consider, you know, it's easy to teach a tiger to be a tiger. I've mm-hmm. always said that. You know, you're, you're, you're a ranger team leader, you're a ranger squad leader, you're, you know, you've got, you know, four to nine to, to 37 tigers underneath you. Yeah. You take those cats to a short, a short, you know, CQM range and it's easy. Yeah. You know? When you got a really wide, diverse group of students coming through a course that's already challenging to begin with, man, you really had to look. I had to look at okay, audible, visual, tactile learning systems. How do I professionalize myself? How do I, you mm. know? Yeah, because at that time when I went through and when you worked there, it was uh, I think it was one class of like mixed SF guys and pilots yep. and, and, and all these everything. other people. Yeah. And then there was one pure SF class, I think, at the time. It was like every other class. Uh, they like, kept it pretty mixed up from for the majority really? of the time. Very rarely did we have a pure um, mm. SF class. Yeah, yeah. And then it was just because, man, you know, once GWAT kicked off, yeah. everybody now all of a sudden needed to go. And then when SF really started doing, uh, before they were doing, you know, well, I can't speak to SF's mission because I didn't do it, but I, I, what I do know is like when SF started doing more of the, uh, not not FID, but the CA stuff, Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. now all these enablers were getting attached to these teams yeah. and they needed to train too. It's like, yeah. man, we had, we had uh, 
a lot of females in the class. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of a lot of veterinarians. Really? Yeah, a lot of vets. Really? Yeah, taking wow. them over as part of the CA team. You know? Yeah, yeah. Hmm, that's cool. Yeah. Um. So when you when you wrap that up, you go back to regiment. Yep. So yeah. actually, huh? So I was there. Now here's the like the, the deeply personal part, right? So uh, I was in Sears school, wound up like my first year into Sears school, wound up getting separated from my wife, right? Mm-hmm. And we've been married since we were 20. Uh, we got separated. I got two kids. I'm living in an apartment, you know, in, in Southern Pines. Um, I got one, you know, that's for like a year of my, of my life, like a second year there. Um, in the greatest shape of my life. And like, you know, I'm going to take the long walk. Oh, okay. So I'm going to take the long walk. Did it. You know, I was there. And we was doing, I have like some of my, here's my regrets, right? Like I took the long walk and was doing great. So I finished the first two weeks up, you know, get my certificate, you know, congratulations, advanced land now, of course, mm-hmm. you know, go into the stress portion. Um, and it's almost like you were talking with Sears school, you know, there's been enough guys go and not get selected or whatever, you know, that we all have a little G2, yeah. you know, everybody there has a little bit of G2. And I just knew enough in the course to where I was at during the stress portion that all I, you know, I really probably had one, maybe two days left and we'd walk in do the board, you know? And I was in great shape, man. I didn't even have even a blister. I didn't have, you know, barely had a hot spot. Like I was, mm. my knees were good. Um, but me and seven, you know, walking through the, walking through the woods for five, seven days, just me and my demons. Um, Cause the cool thing about selection there was you're never belittled, but you're never encouraged. And, and you have nobody left or right to lean on. I, I've, I've never been to Selection, but I, I've heard it's the most professionally run course. Absolutely. That ev- everybody says that. Is, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, it's weird because it's a different dynamic. Every other thing you've done through in your life that's been hard, yeah. you, you, you've got a team almost. You know what I mean? Like days you're down, yeah. you got a ranger buddy to pick you up. You know, mm-hmm. this is the first time it's just me and my demons, yep. you know, walking through the woods yeah. with my own stress, my own pressure. And I'm like, man, fuck it. Okay, I'm 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 pretty confident that I'll make it in, you know. I'm pretty confident I could probably pass the board, you know. So I'm like, okay, well, I, if I do that, I'm definitely going to be divorced, you know. Or I have a year left at Sears School, I can go back to Sears School, rebuild my marriage, fix that, and mm. and go from there. So I made the decision to to withdraw, right? Yeah. And it sucked because the guy that I the guy, when I withdrew. Him and I were in, we were in Bico together. He was a squad leader. I was a team leader and he was my cadre sitting at the truck when I was like, uh, wow, I withdrew. And he, and like I said, they never give you, you know, any, there's nothing negative or positive yeah, either way. It's no very, feedback. it's very, yeah. cli- it's very mm-hmm. clinical. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember I withdrew and he looked up at me and almost, he's like, I'm sorry. I, I you know, pretty my roster. He's like, I didn't hear you. What did you say? Yeah. <laughs> he made me say it twice. That fucker, yeah. you know? Um, well, he probably knew you were on a good trajectory to pass. And he was right. like, what? That's my yeah. regret. So I, yeah. I, I still, honestly, Kevin, I, I wouldn't change it. Mm-hmm. But what I wish I would have done, had the hindsight to do, is finish the course. Yeah. Go through and get selected, had I made it that far, and then withdrew. Yeah. You, you know, yeah. because then I could say I did it. Because right now I didn't. Yeah. I mean, would, I, would, you, would you, if people reached out to you and said, hey, I'm in whatever unit, I'm going to go to selection for, for national, right? Uh, do you have any advice for me? Would you say, make sure your personal affairs are, are, are squared away yeah, yeah. because those demons will crush you in they the will, woods at they night. They eat you. Yeah. 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 They will eat you. Yeah. You can't escape them. Yeah. 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 Especially with that much time to think and, and yep. you're, you're alone a lot. A lot. Yeah. And yeah. you're suffering, you know, you got time and distance and, and elevation to, yeah. to add to, mm-hmm. to the pressures. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, 
And then, then yeah. so yeah. And it's not just it's not just the selection. It's when you get in that that's a that's a hard working unit to be in to, to keep a to keep a marriage that's already on the rocks right running. And I, and I knew it yeah. wasn't going to happen. Yeah. I, I knew that. So I mm-hmm. went back to see her that last year. We patched things up. You know, things are great. Um, and then I'm leaving, and I, I had built such a good camaraderie with all the the 18 series guys I worked with. Mm. You know, Bobby Cinco. I don't know if you know him or not. I know the name. I don't know if I've ever met him, but I know the name. Yeah, he was he was the sergeant major out there at McCall at the time. Yeah. you know, another great guy. And all of them like, dude, come on, go to SF, come to SF, come yeah. to SF. I'm like, nah, fuck that. You know, come to SF. Finally, I'm like, you know what? I wouldn't be so bad. You know, yeah. I got a house here. You know, I think all the reasons why it went grid. So I went to selection, SF selection, and I did. Yeah. I flew right through it. Was mm-hmm. was selected, was in the Q course, right? But I got selected, and this is that time when they were really starting to grow GWAT. Remember, like mm-hmm. the 18 X-ray program was coming. And, yep. and to be honest, I had a, quite a bit of shit bags in my SF class, yeah. my selection class. Mm-hmm. And I remember like I had a couple bad, I was in language course. Um, I had a couple bad days back to back to back, you know, just, hard time getting shit done, you know, yeah. with bureaucracy and stuff like that. It was hard leaving as an E7 from, and all I was doing was leaving Delta company, SWIC to like, you know, whatever Bravo company, SWIC. Yeah. And, it, and it was just so difficult to do. It's, it's hard as a senior guy to put you in that student mode. And that's part of my problem with the Q courses. When you treat people like a private, the whole way through the Q course, they act like, like a private, private a lot of times, yeah, yeah. you know? And I, I saw in my course, like an SUT, there was E7s from Ranger Battalion who quit, but they didn't quit because it was hard. They quit because it was stupid. And that's, they're like, I've got somewhere better to be. Yeah. I'm leaving. You that's know? exactly what yeah. happened to me. Honestly, man, I, I I sit there and I was surrounded by three dudes. I remember I remember them clearly. Three dudes that were in my class, they were shitbags. Mm-hmm. Absolute shitbags. Yep. And we were sitting there and I heard these guys talking, you know, and I remember thinking to myself, in a year, I'm going back to war with these dudes. Mm. No, nah, fuck no. Uh-uh. Yeah. And so I called back my, I called back to regiment, my buddies in, in S1. I was like, man, I want to come home. Yeah. And they're like, dude, you, you, well, you belong to S, you belong to 18 branch now, you know? Oh, uh, so yeah. like you got to, you have to call up, officially decline SFQC. Um, and then I can pick you up. Yeah. So that's what I did. I called it and it was, like, it was like a big, like, oh my God, like, please get me before like, you know, cause so I don't like up at HR, like army HR, yep. there's two, uh, regiment or there's two ranger. Um, I don't know. It was like, yeah, yeah. Knows. There's a, there's two SF guys too. Right. Yep. But one does regular army. Um, re, you know, everybody who's got a ranger tab. Okay. And then one guy does ranger regiment. Okay. Right. Yeah. So I was like, Oh God, I don't let me get like just yeah. snatched up. Like I pop up on the screen and I get tagged. And, uh, no, I didn't like the next day I had orders back to regiment. How many phases had you already gone through for SF? Um, I went through SUT. Yep. Um, SUT, so I went through selection, SUT, and was in language. You see, in, you know, that's a good example right there is where the Army are very linear thinking, right? There should be somebody that go, okay, Steinbach, Ranger Tab, Ranger Regiment guy. All right, you don't have to go to selection. You don't have to go to SUT. We're going to drop you right into, like, MOS phase. Right. You know what I right, mean? Right, and, and And streamline it for you because you've already proven Yeah, like you, I should be able to clip. You should I, be. I was pissed yeah. off because I was like, I should be able to clip SUT. Yeah. Yeah, you're you in know? SUT and you're learning how to walk in a wedge. You know right. what I mean? Come right. on, man. Yeah, but the army's not, the army doesn't think that way, and and SF's just the army. You know, it's very, very the bureaucracy, and it would take somebody to do a little bit of work, and go, okay, Steinbeck, let me look at his ERB. Okay, he's done all these courses and right. been in regimented. He got good NCOERs. Right. He's no risk. 
Let's let's jump over selection, jump over SUT, and let's put them in the MOS right. and take care of them, right? It, it just I don't know if that will ever happen because it would take somebody forward thinking in, in a big bureaucracy machine. One of the big reasons I really was drawn to SF, like to, to, to go ahead and take that walk, yeah. was here's something I saw when I was there. The Ranger Regiment, uh, you know, the hardest thing about Ranger Regiment is staying in Ranger Regiment. Mm. It's harder to stay in Regiment than it is to get into Regiment. Yes, you know? yeah. Like like the other unit's talking about, like you you slip left or right, and man, you're down the street. Yeah. Problem is, is you've spent most of your career in a specialized unit doing specialized thing, and you're a very high level performer, and then you get sent to hundred, not hundred for you, yeah. even worse, first cab. Yeah. You know, you get sent wherever, and you're like, oh my god, damn. And that doesn't happen if you're an eighteen Delta. Yeah. It doesn't happen if you're an eighteen Charlie. If you're an eighteen series, you maintain that eighteen series, and you're somewhere in the eighteen community yes. yeah you know yeah. so you may get in trouble or something happens or you get injured even yeah you know like if you throw your back out there's a place for you to go recover mm -hmm. yeah. it's not going to be like yeah. oh. and, and i would say that i would hope that those three shit bags you were talking about got dropped somewhere else i'm the sure because the q course is like an hour a year and a half long you right. know depending on mos i would hope so i wouldn't guarantee it but i would hope that that would be the case but um you know, you make decisions for a reason and you yeah. drive on yeah. right? and you don't look back because that road leads nowhere, right? Right. So you go back to regiment. You platoon sergeant now? Not yet. Uh, that's when I went to the eight shop because again, I'm waiting, you know, it's racking and stacking looking mm -hmm. for a platoon, you know. So, so the eight shop is forced modernization. The yep. same thing I did for SF, you did for Ranger Regiment. Yep. yep. So mm -hmm. when, when, Which probably helped you later on in your career, your, your civilian career. I, <laughs> I, tremendously. Yeah. That, yeah. So we were talking before about, you know, some of the uh, recommendations of things I would look at, you yeah. know, if you're... I would always say, you know, if you, if you can get into force modernization, yep. you know, mm -hmm. if, if this is like, if you want to be in a, in an industry, it doesn't yeah. have to be the gun industry. And like, look how many commodities there are, Yeah, you know? And, and it's such a complicated process that anybody who understands it right. is gold, man. Yeah. 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 And regiments, eight shop is very small compared to SF, obviously, right? There's yeah. only a couple of guys in there, right? It's grown now. Has it? Yeah. Now mm -hmm. it's, it's really big. Mm -hmm. um, it's well, I say biggest. It's a lot more robust now. Yeah. Like each, there's there's one guy that's running each commodity now. It's like there's there's a target engagement, there's a mobility, yep. there's a vast, there's you know mm -hmm. whatever it is. Yeah, we we had a great working relationship with the guys in, in regiment, you know, um, and and we we would because once once products and our guns or trucks or anything left the operational level from us and went up to USASOC and SOCOM, no. No soldier, no ground guy, no no door kicker touches it again. It's right. acquisitions officers and contractors, right? So we would be like, hey, Jeremy, machine guns, man, you, you take that. You know what I mean? We, this sniper rifle, we'll work on that. You know, we, we'd, we'd piecemeal based on, on uh, the bodies we had and the expertise we had. So we, we had a great working relationship with the Ranger Regiment, Force Mod guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yep. great. Yep. Um, how long did you spend in S8? A uh, year and a half, two years. Yeah. Two years waiting for... Finally, a platoon popped open. Yeah. And uh, were you working guns at the time, or were you working everything? I was working guns. I was target engagement. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Uh, actually, Ranger Rendezvous had just gone down, and I actually <laughs> this is a funny story. Um, I got picked up to go to First Battalion and take a platoon in First Battalion. I talked to the First Battalion Sergeant Major at, at the Rendezvous Barbecue, and he's like, "Yeah, hey, Steinbach, I want you. Here's your platoon. Here's where, here's we're gonna go. Uh, you know, next week." The end of next week, whatever, um, you should start seeing the paperwork come down. You should start seeing the chatter on it. Okay, mm. cool. Right after that, I'm, I'm ready to go to Savannah. You know? Um, during the Ranger Rendezvous jump, um, the guy I replaced blew out, his, blew out his knee on that jump. 
So mm. he couldn't, he, they had to remove him. So I wound up, I thought I was going down to first battalion. Like literally the next week I get sent down to third battalion to take a platoon, com, a platoon in Charlie company. Mm. And I met, like I met my platoon as we were getting ready to go. Uh, I think, I think to Fort Knox, I think, or something like that, you know, yeah. no, none of these cats. I'm like, oh, okay, great, great platoon. Oh yeah. man, I love that platoon. Yeah. Actually, that's a good way to, to be introduced to new guys is go train. Go train. Go train right, right off the bat. Right out of the gates. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It was really good. Um, so a uh, year and a half in Force Mod, uh, did you find that job frustrating or did you find it rewarding or somewhere in between? Uh, in between. Yeah. At one, it was, I get frustrated myself because it was such a steep learning curve. Yeah. I had no idea yeah. of the different colors of money and the different uh, programs. And Yeah. It takes a guy, when he, he came work for me, it took eight months to a year for him to learn the acquisition side of right. it, you know, yeah. You know, because, you know, we, we bitch about down at the, the, the platoon level, oh, this is bullshit, why can't yeah. I have this? Why can't I have that? Mm -hmm. You know, and you get up there like, oh, I'm gonna make all these great changes. I know, right? And then you get there and like, they're like, yeah, no, mm -mm. yeah, can't do that. Well, why can't I do that? Well, there's yeah. no requirement. Where's the requirement docket for this? You know, it's always just like, and you're just like red tape, red yeah. tape, red tape. Yeah, yeah, it's so very tough. Yeah. It was, it, that was challenging, trying to figure all that out and get smart on how to manage those programs yep. and identify capability gaps. And that's mm -hmm. when I really started getting into my swing of it towards the back end. Yes. You know, yeah. and it, it was good. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. But when you, when you get out and work for the gun industry and, and, uh, you, you want to push something, you, you, you almost know whether it's going to go somewhere or not. Right. Based on your, your experience in force mod. Yeah. Yep. And, 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 um, even though soft approach acquisitions a little differently than a regular army, it's still a big organization and, and it has a lot of money, but it has a lot of requirements, you yeah. know? So, yeah. Um, so when you go back to, to be a platoon sergeant, did you deploy? Yeah. Where? Yeah. Uh, we did, uh, first one was biop. Yeah. And then the second one was, um, Kabul. What, uh, what, or, what year or, was the biop one? Biop was 07. Damn, I was there at that time too. Really? Yeah. So we're, the we're, we're task force. Yeah. We, uh, man, that deployment was actually a really cool deployment. Yeah. Um, we did task force seventeen on yeah. that on that on that deployment, which was mm -hmm. cool. It was the first one that we had yeah. just stood up seventeen. I don't yeah. know if you're familiar with it or not, but that was the. Uh, I don't even know how much I can we can say about yeah. it, but it was don't, a. Don't say it. Yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah, a I know what it, I know what it is. Yeah, yeah. But the, the 2007 was the height of the Iraq War. We were losing the war going into that year. We were winning it coming out, yeah. you know. So there was a lot of people, and the surge was part of that. But the, but there was a big special operations component to the surge that most people don't even know about. We stood up Fab Fernandez, yeah, you know, right there. At, you know, Biop. Mm -hmm. You know, remember we had like we had ten. You guys were still living like in the nice shoes up there at top, <laughs> and had the airfield right there. We were yeah. living in damn, you know, RFAB tents. You're Rangers, again. you're tough. It you sucked. Know, we're, we're soft. That, that part sucked, but yeah. we we had a so we were attached. That was our first time being. Attached 50 50 with NSW, mm. you know, and so the hard thing was like, you know, and here's the here's the shitty part. So they told NSW, hey guys, you're here to teach Rangers how to be a little more surreptitious, not everything can be solved with a chainsaw, right? We were told, hey guys, you're here to like welcome NSW to the fight and show them how to get, yeah, you know, yeah. And so we were already kind of pitted each other before it ever started, you yeah. know, and, and then uh, we were told, like, hey, the assault force has to be. 50, 50. It has to be a purple assault force. You know, it has to be, you know, half NSW, half Ranger, you know, like, okay. It's oil, it's oil and water, man. Figure, <laughs> figuring how to even do that. Yeah. Like you've been operating, you know, with your, you know, you got your 47 dues by the time you add all your enablers and all your stuff, you know, how do you cut half of that away mm -hmm. and then put in an element that's operates completely different? The, isn't it funny how units in the, in the, the American military 
like Sophie and I have yeah. completely different personalities. Completely. They operate completely different mentality completely. Like I would say SF and Rangers probably work together better than yeah. SEALs and Rangers, right? Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, we ran into some of the same challenges trying to figure out how to work together. By the uh, end, it was really good. We figured out our, we figured out our, our battle rhythm, you know, yeah. and, and what, what we did, what we found that worked most, in, most effectively was we could maintain as much organic composure as we could. Mm -hmm. So basically what we did, you'd go on assault for two weeks, then you'd go on isolation for two weeks. And, you know, each element would have, you would just flip flop those, those, those jobs yeah. on yeah. target, you know, yeah. and it ran really great. That, that worked. Yeah. Worked really well. Yeah, you got to find, everybody brings something to the fight. You just got to figure out where, where it's right. best plugged in, you know? So that was, that was a really good year for, to be involved in GWAT in, in Iraq. In, yeah. in, in, in that we, we got to bring the fight to the enemy. Gloves came off a little bit and we were allowed to, to go do what we do. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that was McChrystal as well. So, um, so at the end of that, you come back. What was your next move when, when you when you finished up? How long did you do as a platoon sergeant? Probably uh, a year or two? Just shy of two years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then what? Oh, I got in trouble. So oh. next deployment. Yeah. So we were, you know, we stood at Fob Fernandez, did yeah. Task Force 17 thing, right? Yep. We come back, we come home, we do our train-up piece, uh, whatever, you know. We're in the, you know, we're in the shoot. Mm -hmm. we, we come back and we go to 16 this time. And this time it was Ranger Pure at 16. Everybody else had left and gone north. Mm, um, yeah, they chased up the Mosul. Yep. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And they had left us south, well, in Central. You know, so we were running Central, which was, man, it was great. Mm. We had uh, we had two Ranger elements there, you know, and uh, we had all the enablers and everything. Like, it was, we were busy, busy, busy. Mm. It was great. And then, uh, yeah, so I smoked a I smoked an S2 private um, and got I became the poster boy for don't smoke a private. Mm. And then what, like what had happened was, see what had happened was, um, you know, like in the planning base, how you have the, the dry race boards and all that stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. So we had, we had our, our, you know, our Jenga trucks and our Hiluxes and all that, you know, and I, I just put the keys up there on, on some Velcro and I, I had my truck, the boys had their trucks, whatever. My uncle was a, uh, chief warrant officer and, and, uh, he was getting, he was in biop proper and he was getting promoted to, like CW two or three or whatever it was. He asked me to come promoting, right? Mm -hmm. So it's daytime, you know, we're always running at night. I get up and, um, I get in the daytime, I drive in to buy up, uh, go promote my uncle. And I'm like, Hey man, I'm bringing you to our compound, take you to, take you to chow, you know, and let you eat some proper food and, you yeah. know, kind of let, let me experience that a little bit. So I bring him over, we do that. We go to my shoe for a little bit and we're, we're hanging out. And then, um, I go to take him home and my truck's gone. Not there. All the trucks are gone. The boys had to go get, you know, pick up licks and shoes and get haircuts and stuff like that. But my trucks, and it's signed out by private first class booth. And I'm like, who is that kid? He ain't mine, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, I get my uncle home. I come back from that and my truck's still gone. And I walk in the jock and I'm like, hey man, who, who owns booth? And I go, oh, he's mine, Sergeant. I'm like, all right, man, look, hey, when he gets back, I want to see him. I'm like, roger that. So I went and worked out. Finished working out, cleaned up, took a shower, came back, and there he was locked up outside my door waiting on me. And, uh, you know, I, as a team leader, I was probably a little bit more, you know, fire and brimstone, a yeller, yep. not, not a yeller screamer, but I, I could get in your ass pretty deep, you mm -hmm. know? As a squatter, you know, you start to mellow. As a platoon sergeant, I, I mean, I'm, if yeah. I'm yelling at yeah. you, then... You, you can destroy a career with a pen right. when you're at that level, right? I don't need to yell anymore. Right. Yeah. And yeah. if I'm yelling at you, then I've yeah. already, there's already been multiple failures of leadership at this yeah. point, you know? Yeah. Where's your team leader? Where's your squad leader? Yeah. You know, um, I, I mean, I wasn't yelling and screaming as a platoon sergeant. And I was like, I walked with this cat and I'm like, hey man, 
pretty ballsy move to walk in my CP and just take my truck without asking. And uh, he's like, oh, no, sir. And I asked the PL. The PL said I could take it. I'm like, oh, man. I honestly, I like, dude, I'm sorry. I, I apologize to you. I, I'm sorry to waste your time. I didn't know you had permission. You know, I hadn't talked to my PL. Man, please, you know, carry on. That next afternoon, just by chance, you know, we're standing up that evening and we're, we're doing our date. We're getting all our slides ready for the day, you know. So, you know, I'm getting manifest stuff done. All my squatters in there working their piece for the daily update. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just have to be talking to the PL. And I'm like, yeah, like I almost almost wrecked Booth yesterday until he told me that uh, you gave him the truck. And, you know, PL didn't even look up. He's like, I, I didn't give him the truck. No, he asked me. I, you know, I told him you need to talk to Sergeant Steinbach about that. As he said that, Booth walks by the door. Yeah. And, of course, at that point, I'm like, hey, get your ass in here. He comes in. He locks up. And I'm like, hey, man, did you uh, have permission to take my truck? And he starts giving me this slippery S2 like answer right and mm -hmm. i'm like look bro it's a, it's a very yes or very no question he's like uh no sergeant I'm like all right so you lied to me you implicated my pl in that i'll give you two choices man i'll recommend you for article 15 or i'll dust you off for 30 minutes you know he's like, of course like everybody i'll mm -hmm. take i'll take the dusting yeah you know oh yeah so i you know, smoked this kid. this kid could not do 25 push-ups kevin 25 push-ups he hit muscle failure so he's a date this is he's a brand new private to regiment. Mm. Uh, he's an S2 kid. Because the regiment expect their support kids to be able to bring it, right? Right. Yeah. 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 He's a S2 daytime in the jock. Yeah. He's got no adult supervision. You know, brand new, just got there. Um, I had this kid start pushing, and he literally was at muscle failure around 22 push-ups. I was like, what? And the only reason I'm like, this was 72 days into the deployment. And the only reason I remember, because it burned in my mind when I was like, you can't do 25 push-ups. And he was like, Sergeant, I've, I've been at the jock for 72 days, you know? Um, and I was like, buddy, you've seen us. We roll out this wire every night. I mean, that was busy, busy, busy. Mm -hmm. We roll out the wire almost every night. I was like, dude, we do PT every day. It's not an excuse. Mm. So I just started transitioning between upper body, lower body, upper body, lower body. And I just kept working on my update slides. You know, I mm -hmm. never... I never belittled him. Yeah. You know, I never screamed at him. You know, I talked about the range of creed. Mm -hmm. I talked about courage, you know, integrity, yeah. you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, and it's another crazy thing. In a 30-minute session, because I started my stopwatch, in a 30-minute session, he asked for water twice, which blew my mind. I've never had a private ask me for water when I've certainly never asked for water when I'm getting mm -hmm. smoked, you know. I gave him two five-minute water breaks. So really, literally, he did... 20 minutes, right? He's doing the overhead clap. He's in the CP, overhead clap, sweating profusely, vomits, projectile vomiting. Whoa, what the hell is that? Stop. We get him all, he gets it all cleaned up, have him go apologize to my PL, and then we're done, right? And then uh, on his way out, my squad leaders were like, hey, dude, minimum every 48 hours you're going to work out. He's like, roger that, Sergeant. Fast forward, whatever, we go do our mission, we're doing our stuff. You know, two days later, we see this cat in the booth. And remember how, like, the Task Force 16 had that step system when you walk into the jockey and yeah. walk up mm -hmm. he's like coming down those steps and he's holding the handrail and he's like all shaky wobbly and we're like we're like what the hell's wrong with you and he's like oh he lied to me. he's like oh sorry i just did this jim jones barbell workout you know like, oh, okay roger that carry on nope the kid was in uh mid stages of rhabdomyolysis so mm. rad though really set in on this kid delayed reporting you know he gets sent to lawn stool right uh for, for, for first he gets sent to cropper camp cropper um, then from there he's sent to launch to a launch to Walter Reed. Like it's legit. Like, he is full boom. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, his mom worked for the NSA and when they were moving him from Cropper to launch to obviously they called him. And I found this out later, you know, um, 
regiment notified his mom, you know, that, hey, your son's being moved to, to, to Walter Reed probably. Uh, oh, my God, what's going on? Well, your son was a victim of hazing, right? So the well was poisoned yep. before any of it. Mm-hmm. And what I had going for me initially in my corner was like, so there was a commander's inquiry first, right? And yep. the commander's, the regimental, usually is. Yep. Right. Yep. The commander's, the, the, the regimental surgeon was right there at Biop with us. And he was like, hey, look, Steinbach did not cause this. This is, without a doubt, atrophy of the muscle, delayed reporting, and abuse of supplements. I guess when they clean his room out, like the kid's been living on, on rippets and, you know, whatever, yep. caffeine, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So anyway, commander's inquiry comes back, and they find me really not at fault. Well, that wasn't good enough. Me and the RSM really had some bad blood, mm-hmm. and he decided he was going to turn me into the poster boy for don't smoke a private. But that, that, that RSM grew up in regiment when that was normal day-to-day stuff, right? right? Yeah. yeah. That, that, yeah. So at the time, so I got an Article 15, only time I've ever had that in my life, you know? I've never, I've never had any, I had a good career. I was a yeah. good, you know, anyway. Mm-hmm. Article 15. Um, what was the charge? Um, maltreatment of a soldier. Mm. Yep. Maltreatment of a soldier. I think it's like Article 134 or something like that. You you're know? an E7, right? Yeah. It takes some rank to give an Article 15 to an yeah. E7. I had a field grade. Field grade yeah. Article 15. Yeah. Got my, got, you know, obviously I didn't get restricted. Yeah. You know, they did take half a month's pay for like two months and it was right at Christmas, which that was a kick in the nuts. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and then, but the other thing was like, you know, I got relieved from, from position, but it wasn't like, hey, you're RFS. I was told, hey, you need to go find a job. Mm. Right. Was that an anomaly or was regiment changing at that point? Uh, I mean, regiment has constantly evolved. So it's, mm. I think it's always changing. Yeah. You know, well, changing um, with culture of society too. But it right? was an anomaly. Usually it's like, yeah. hey, man, you, you're, you're going needs of the army. Yeah. You know, pack your shit, mm. you know. And here I was, I was afforded the opportunity to go find me a job. Okay. Um, everybody from, everybody from the companies down knew this was bullshit. Yeah. You know, but from the field grade up, you know, it was, you know, were they covering their ass because it had visibility on it? I I personally don't think so. I honestly think it was the RSM, you know, had a hard on for me. Yeah. And uh, mm. he found a way to, to, to turn the screws on me. Mm. And at the time, Kevin, man, this was, uh, it was soul crushing to me. Yeah. You know, like I've, 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 if you would have asked me who I was at that point, I wouldn't have been like, hey, man, I'm a dad. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm this, I'm that, I'm this. I would have told you I'm an airborne ranger. Yeah. It was my entire identity. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it felt like they just closed their doors on the, on the back on me. Yeah. Best thing ever happened to me. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Second yeah. best thing ever happened to me, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because, and there is a danger to having your whole world revolve around your job. Right. Because it is a job. And when right. you get out of the army, nobody gives a fuck. They don't give nobody a shit. Nobody cares, man. Right. So, and we all do that. We all go a hundred percent into everything we do because that's our nature. And then that's that, that happened to me in Ireland. The the the, the rug was pulled out from under me all of a sudden, and I'm like, oh shit! No, right. what do I do? Right, right. right. But uh, I, I I do believe and we talked about this earlier. Things happen for a reason, man. You you do something like that, and it it puts you in a whole different direction that turns out to be a good one. So where did you go? Uh, I actually got promoted. <laughs> so mm-hmm. here I am as an E7 with a field grade, right? Um, mm-hmm. My old platoon sergeant at this point was the sergeant major of uh, 111. Uh, for the Ibolic course, the Infantry Basic Officer Leaders oh, course, right? okay. Um, and I was looking for a place to land, and he was like, hey, perfect. I got an outgoing first sergeant, HAC first sergeant. I'll, I need one. Mm. So I basically became the first sergeant for HAC 111, mm. um, and I did that for uh, – that was working with all the um, 
lawyers and doctors you know, that get commissioned. Yeah. They, they, don't, they, don't go, they don't go through like a real OCS program, right. you know? So, so they need to learn something about... Brother, they need to learn how to put their uniform on. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> like yeah. this is a rank structure, you know? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, but I did that for six months. And while I was doing that, I was uh, working with AMU guys. Uh, trying to shoot on onto the team, mm-hmm. so I so got just explain what the AMU is so the for AMU people is, who don't know. This yeah. the uh, it's the Army Marksmanship Unit. Um, it's also considered a, a special missions unit, but not like special mission like, like the Tier One guys. But yeah. it's classified as, a, as an SMU. Um, it had you know, and part of that is well, AMU's mission is to train, compete, and win um, anything marksmanship related across the forces, uh, and it's kind of split into really two segments you have the anything that anything that can be competed against or shot against in the olympics like the international side of the house and then all the service side of that so service rifle service pistol you know and then like three gun mm-hmm. and so like that. And they have a they have a, a thing where they're supposed to train units too right? right is that part of it or is that just a yep. side deal no, that's, is that that's, part of their, their... that's part of their give back to the army yeah so they take their lessons learned in competition mm-hmm. and marksmanship and they better the force by educating the force yeah um so i i got picked up to shoot service rifle which is you know that's from 200 back to 600 or even back to you know we shoot it you know or or a thousand mm. you know and man i showed up kevin oh my god like you talk about leaving regiment being a good thing for me right so uh i got to 111 that was a whole new experience one now, now also i'm an hac first sergeant so i'm like oh okay a lot of a lot of eggs to juggle mm-hmm. right and really seeing how to um, manage all that which was good yep um yep. getting picked up to amu i show up there and like you know at the time i'm like i'm pretty good shot you know i'm pretty arrogant about it you know like mm-hmm. i roll up there gonna shoot in the line the first time with these cats and like i'm like i'm probably one of the best shots definitely in my company maybe the battalion yeah. right? like that's how arrogant i am right? <laughs> now they down with these cats i'm never forget it i'm laying down behind yeah. like beside brandon green and Sherry Gallagher, both of them own multiple, multiple national championship titles, right? Yeah. Record records. Yeah. And then I realized, oh man, they're shooting X's. Like I'm shooting E types. Yeah. They're shooting X's. <laughs> oh shit! Shut your mouth. Open your ears, buddy. Like you are now in college. Yeah. You, you know. Yeah. And then that was really good too. It was just a continued evolution of learning for me from the time I left regiment, um, even to now. Man, it's mm. just been a, a continual evolution of learning, learning more, learning more, learning more. You make some mistakes along the way, and you're like, ah, but I've been able to be like, ah, let's not do that one again. Here's a good lesson learned. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, Did you stick to service rifle, or did you do pistol, or long gun, or anything no, else? No, on the Just... competition side of the house, um, all I did was service rifle. Mm-hmm. Um, then, so I was at AMU uh, four, four years. Um, was Tom there at that time as well? Tom had just left. Okay. Uh, yeah. Tom, Tom had just Tom left. Fuller. Yep. Yeah. Armageddon gear. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yep. Great guy. Yeah. Uh, one of my, actually, that's a great guy. He's honestly my best friend. Right? Yeah, yeah, no, Tom's awesome. Tom yeah. has been my best friend for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, he had just left, and, and Gunny Barreras, Sergeant Major Barreras, had just taken over. Yeah, Tom was the first sergeant there. Or he was, was a sergeant major. Oh, he's sergeant major. Dude. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. he retired out of there as the, as the yeah as the CSM. Um, you probably made a bunch of contacts there, and you probably made a bunch of friends that you're still have contacts with, right? Because there's yeah. some seriously good shooters in that unit. Oh, right? phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm in great. I'm still in really good connection and, and communication with a lot of them still. Yeah, yeah. I got I, stood, so the, like my second year there, uh, General Odenero yep. tasked, uh, this is that time like when the Army wasn't growing. Like mm. you, know, you couldn't grow TDAs, you couldn't add stuff and all that, right? They were tasked, AMU was tasked to stand up the Wounded Warrior Training Group. 
right? And his thing was like, hey, we need to bring uh, marksmanship had really dropped off across the force, like it really poor because of the op temple. Yeah, and it's such a high turnover rate. Yeah. They couldn't keep dudes, you know. And so, mm -hmm. like, hey, we we want to bring, we want to capture these combat lessons and and professionalize the force again, back to like what we're supposed to do. So, um, Gunny Barreras, Sergeant Major Barreras, another phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal human being. Right? He tasked me to go do it. He's like, all right. He he gave me the resources I need, like develop. We already had so regiment, or not regiment. AMU already had a a squad designated marksman's course. And, uh, and they had some similar, like semblance of like a close quarters course, but the close quarters course really wasn't, uh, where it needed to be. You know, mm -hmm. they, they had gone just some AMU guys, great dudes, great shooters, but they don't have a tactical mindset, yep. you know, and they, they went to a couple of different classes and courses and from there developed a class, right? Yeah. And, you know, that just doesn't work. Um, mm -hmm. uh, the, the squad doesn't marksman's course was also a great, great course, but it didn't capture the combat relevance. Yeah. You know, so. Mm -hmm. We refined those two courses and made them combat relevant. Mm. Um, showed them to the sergeant major and all that, and he was like, "Yeah, he gave me the ominous dominus." And then at that point, I could start hiring, uh, you know, um, not disabled, uh, injured dudes, dudes yeah. who have been injured, you know. Or, mm -hmm. um, and since regiment's right down the street, I mean, we yeah. basically built a mini ranger platoon. Yeah, you know, uh, guys who are probably too injured to be in a regiment, but you want to get them there. You want to get to 20 years and get retirement, but they can still be value added. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You, you had that. Um, you had a couple of guys that were nursing injuries and they want to like use that as a, as they get ready to go back to regiment or go back to selection. You mm -hmm. know, they couldn't continue that oppo that yeah. temp, that, you know, but yeah. they had, they had great lessons to be, to be taught to the boys, you know, yeah. a lot of experience. Mm -hmm. Um, we stood it up, man. And like I, my last three years were probably my best three years at AMU. Mm -hmm. Uh, Still shooting high power, you know, when, you know, we were dual hatting it initially. And then the last couple was just the, the instructor training group. And I mean, all we did was we traveled the country and literally from initial entry soldiers, like basic training soldiers, yeah. all the way up to tier one guys. We taught SDM and CQM and, 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 and custom classes across the country. Wow. Drank a lot of beer, mm -hmm. tore up a lot of rental cars, yeah. you know, and just had an absolute great time. And what made it so great was seeing the light bulb come on. Yeah. You yeah. know, like teaching they, is so rewarding. Yes. I mean, really, for people who, when you're teaching people who really want to learn, right. And want to get better, and you, you see that light bulb come on is a super rewarding right. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the marksmanship, it, it blows my mind that that, you know, marksmanship and shooting is not like the number one priority in the military. You know, it's somewhat of a check the box right. for regular army units and even for infantry units. So we just don't shoot enough. You right. know, um, that's really cool. You get that. I don't know if you, you sense this, but it's almost like therapeutic to give back. Yeah. Right, to give back to those young privates who don't get any good training. We went to Colorado and trained some kids there a couple of months ago, and it was they were super into it, and and um, it, it was it really did help to give back. You know, the armies, the government spent a lot of money training me and you. Right, it's right. A good, good to be able to give that back to the younger soldiers who don't get it now. I still yeah. get that feeling. You know, uh, we just taught a couple of classes just recently. Mm. You know, and you pour, you find yourself, you pour yourself into yeah. it, you know, because it's rewarding. It really it's, is. And it's therapeutic. Yeah. You know, yep. it really yep. is. So, um, did you retired at AMU? I did. How many years? 21 years in the Tw army? 21. What, what was the trigger that said, uh, you know, I'm done? Was there something specific or, or was it just that you, you felt it was time to move on? I started to feel that way already, you know, mm -hmm. me and the command group really didn't, uh, I had, I had, <laughs> 
me and the commander at the time of AMU really did not like each other. You know, well, I'm seeing a pattern here, Dave. Right. <laughs> no, this cat, I don't know if you, uh, I'm not going to mention any names, but me and this cat did not give, he didn't like me. I didn't yeah. like him, right? Yeah. What he really didn't like was we really was a, oh man, you put nine Rangers in AMU, they're not ready for that. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Things they're, are going to change. Things yeah. are going to change. And that's mm -hmm. a unit that does not want to change. Yeah. It is yeah. so resistant to change. You know, mm -hmm. so I found myself at odds a lot of the time with the command group because like, hey, like we need to adapt to do this. Adapt or perish. Yeah. You know, we have to, I have to be able to do this and here's, you know, and you'd get resistance. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, it's just a constant battle. Mm -hmm. um, and I was starting to get just, just jaded with it. I was at the end of my 20 already and like, mm -hmm. right, I was going to punch out at 20. Yeah. I did just, I almost did 22. Oh, uh, no. Yeah. 21. Sorry. Um, uh but but I tell you, people think like a civilian looking from the outside. Twenty years and you retired. I mean, you're you're still young, but you broke down. You oh, broke shit. down mentally and physically. You really are. And I, I think you don't even realize it until you go through the retirement process and you start documenting all your injuries and stuff like that. Like you're you're more broken than you you admit to yourself. I, I think, had no idea. Know? I didn't either. Yep. I I didn't either because you're you're running at a hundred miles an hour. And then all of a sudden it stops and you've a chance to, to look inward and go, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, what's that thing going on now, the new normal? Like the 100 miles an hour was our normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's very hard to adapt. How was, how was your transition? Did you go through the whole, it was called ACAP back then, I think, right. and that whole year-long process? To, to, did you do all that or did I you did blow not do through the, it? I just blew through it. I didn't do the full year-long thing, you know, because we're busy. We got work to yep. do. We got shit to do, you know, mm -hmm. like, and I don't want to go do that whole year thing. So did you I, understand it? The whole nope. retirement? You see, that's, mm -hmm. uh, we talked about this earlier on when I was working force mod, when I went through mine, I, I had mentors and I had like Brian Edwards, who was the regiment CSM who, who'd been re retired. Right. And I had people to guide me and say, make sure you do this, make sure you do this. And that, that's a really good thing about going to a staff job right before you exit is because you have time to document stuff and you usually have uh, senior guys there to give you a little help but a lot of guys like you and that's why we talked about this earlier uh, they, they blow out they get out the door and then they, they don't get the disability rating they deserve and they they, they somewhat half-ass it and then they got to go back later as a veteran and try and fix those things and they're so much harder to fix when you're out yeah. than when you're in. Yeah, right? I'm dealing yeah. with that kind of to a degree now. So I, I wound up getting, my rating was 90%. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I was like, you know, okay. Like, could I go for more? Certainly. There's a lot of things I didn't claim, Yeah, you know. Um, and I put my own claim in because the VA rep during ACAP for me was just like, they, they said, hey, look, you can give your medical records to this guy. They'll review them for you, and they'll they'll pre-fill everything out for you. They'll make yeah. it easy, the easy and button. you're like, right? sold. Right. Yeah. So I give it to the guy. I give this guy my shit, and I come back, and I, I sit down with this guy. And he's got me down for three things. And, like, one of the things he has me down for, I don't even have. Yeah. I'm like, man, I, I don't even have this. He's like, mm -hmm. well, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, what about this? What about this? What about this? What about that? And all I got again was resistance. Oh, it's too hard. It's too much. I'm like... You know what, dude? This is my life. Mm. I'll do and, it myself. And even the way it was explained to me, even if you're, you're you tore your shoulder before and it's not hurting you now, in ten years it's going to hurt you, and you need to have it documented. Right. Yeah, yeah. It, um, I guarantee you, you got you've got quite a few injuries just based off your career. Yeah, you know? I wound up taking my med records and what I did to, to fill my stuff out. Like I made like a just a little chart, and as I went through my old med records, anything that was injured with um, with paper, yeah, you know, uh, more than three times. I wrote it down, mm. you know, so I had the, the document. The problem is, is guys like you and I, most guys like us, we don't go to sick call. Yeah. You don't go to sick call. You, you know, you go see your medic. 
you go see your doc or your medic and you yep. get, you know, something to get you through whatever little pain you got going on. But very rarely, unless it's a significant injury, you yep. know, you just... You patch it up and drive on. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Because you got shit to do, right? Right. And it bites us in the ass later on. Yeah. Um, because you have no documentation of the injury. Brother, we rolled a striker in Baghdad, full 360 degree, rolled a striker mm -hmm. at 55 miles an hour, right? Uh, knocked out. I was lights out. Um I got like six stitches in my calf. Didn't even know I was bleeding until we got back. Yeah. Uh, my right pupil was wide open. My left pupil was completely constricted. You know, mm -hmm. obviously head injury. serious head yeah. injury. Mm -hmm. None of it. You know, 20, 40 hours later, I was back on target. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Shake it off. Yeah, and, shake and it off. You purposely don't go sometimes because you don't want to be taken out of the fight. How can you not? Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. This, this is, is my time. Yeah. This is my time. To, yeah, yeah. Um, so like... For young guys getting out, and young guys retiring, like, and they're still, they're young to me, but they're guys getting near the end of their career, what advice would you give them? Um, man, the two biggest things I would say that I had impact with is med records. You know, put all your stuff in, mm. you know, and, and start early. Mm -hmm. You know, like that whole year thing is there for a reason. Yeah, you can start actually two years out. You can start documenting, getting everything done, yep. getting classes out of the way if you're in a job. But guys leave, leave it till the last minute yep. and then they half-ass it. And you're, you're just, you're screwing yourself for later on. Yep, yeah. document all your med stuff. You know, you start, make make a list so you yeah. know what you're going to, how you're going to fill your stuff mm -hmm. out for your for your medical piece. Uh, man, eat, also eat a little bit, eat a little bit of pride. Yeah. I did not put in for PTSD or TBI, mm -hmm. you know. Biggest things I didn't want is I don't want the stigma of yep. he's emotionally, he's got PTSD or whatever it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and then especially in the firearms industry, or I love to shoot. Like shooting is my life. Yeah. I love to shoot. You know, and if you took that away from me because I have PTSD, oh man, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd go batshit crazy. Mm -hmm. You know, so I didn't do that. Mm -hmm. You know, in hindsight now, I, I probably should have. Yeah. You know, yeah. the other thing I would say is, uh, man, Resumes. I remember when I was, when you're looking, I mean, you're looking for a job, what your next step's going to be. I remember talking to a guy and he was like, oh yeah, I've got like six resumes going on. And of course, in back in my mind, I'm like, you dumb motherfucker. Why don't you just do one? Mm. I had no idea what the hell was really going on. I was totally clueless. Again, in yeah. my arrogance, you know. So he was writing resumes specifically for different types of jobs? Yep. Different mm -hmm. positions he wanted to go after, you yeah. know, and, and, and learning, learning that process. Yeah. So that, that, especially where I'm at now, I'd see how critical that was. I was fortunate because when I got out of the army, I literally had a job like nine days later. Yeah. But that became from contacts that I made while I was working in, in the RS8 shop. Yeah. You know, it became, you know, when we were talking about this today, like there's so many things get done over a beer mm. or over a campfire. You know, yep. it's the personal relationships that drive a lot of industry, mm -hmm. you know? So what, what did you do when you get out initially? Uh, I went to work in gas and oil as a special projects guy, um, up in, up in Pennsylvania. Oh. Um, so I was going to go up there for six months, look at it all. Um, and then once we were good, pretty much doing like a, a PDSS, a pre-deployment site survey, you yeah. know, uh, once I'm established after school, bring, bring the kids and everybody up and, and go from there. Mm. And what did it for me, you know, the job was not a bad job. It was a good paying job. You know, I was doing well in it. Um, I was, you know, we, I started seeing chinks in the armor of the company I worked for in terms of their integrity. And that really weighed on me, right? Mm. And then the final straw for me was, I, we sat in a meeting, a, a, like an executive level meeting, and uh, you know the boss had said X. And then when we go out, my boss tells me, hey, Dave, I need you to go sell this to this company. You know, and it's like the message was Y. And I was like, 
that's like 180 from what the boss just said. I know, man, but I need you to go sell. I was like, but it's also not true. Like, this is a complete lie. He's like, he's like, Dave, I need you to sell this. I'm like, bro, you got the wrong fucking dude. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to walk in there and purposely lie. I'm not yeah. going to do it. And again, you know, should have had a plan. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I pulled, the, I pulled, the, pulled the pin on that. I'm like, ah, oh, shit. Now what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to, uh, I had to figure it out quick. Uh, I wound up going to uh, Academy to do the WHIPS program. Was going to go contract, you know. Oh, okay. So it was, do that, like, like a lot of other guys, right? Right. Yeah. We, we, it's kind of like our fallback, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's what we fall into. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to do that. That's what I fell into. Yeah. Um, doing the WHIPS. I went through WHIPS. Got what's WHIPS? Uh, the um, I can't think of what it stands for now, but protective security. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, a boring job, too, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. PSD. Yeah. Yeah. That's a boring job. But, yeah. but at the time, I was like, you know, yeah, okay, it's good, money. It's good mm-hmm. money. I can get into it. I'm still around the community of, yep. of people that I like to be around. Mm-hmm. Um, went through, passed, was in the course. And was, all I was waiting on now was deployment orders, you know? Yeah. And while I'm waiting, 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 it took so long to get, when, so long to get my, my your state level security, um, Department of State security levels and, and, and deployment orders. Mm-hmm. Shot show was coming up. And I was like, man, I'm going to go down and look. You know, I know a lot of the guys from my time in the eight shop. I literally, I, I pawned um, a shotgun of mine and funded my way to SHOT Show mm-hmm. with a bunch of resumes, mm. you know, and walked the floor and, uh, and again, but it turned into a guy I had met at AMU, you know, who now works for Dana Defense and, you know, vouched for me to the guy yep. you know, and they had to be looking for a job. And that turned into an interview, which turned into getting hired and then mm. I started into the gun industry. Yeah. You worked at Daniels for a couple of years, right? Yeah. Four years. Yeah. And you, you were a... Uh... You climbed that ladder a little bit, right? You were in charge of like a, a section. I think you were. You I was, uh, yeah, I was the military. Uh, I was the military sales director. Yeah, for, yeah. for Dana Defense. Yeah, and we ran into each other a couple of times because I was in the H shop for, for SF at that time. Yeah. yeah. Um, how was that? How was that uh, experience? Great. Yeah. It was a great experience. It really was. Uh, again, continued to professionalize me. Continued to see. Uh, okay, new experiences, mm-hmm. you know, new takeaways from it. Um, be again to be humble you yeah. know, and then listen and start paying attention type mm-hmm. stuff you know a lot of army guys like sf guys rangers get out of the military and work for like the gun industry or the right. tactical what, what advice would you give them just um, in hindsight yeah in hindsight if you can if you can get into a commodity shop you know or something like that before yeah um do it if you have it's a great opportunity and it'll help you yeah. well down the road um also, like you still like one thing you can do when you're in the military, and you don't even have to be in a commodity shop, is you can take the um, uh, acquisitions course. It's yeah. acquisitions 101 and 102, and you can take it online. Yep. But you have to be an active duty guy. Like I tried to go back to take the acquisitions, uh, yeah. the second portion of it. You can't, even though I got acquisitions 101. Yep. Can't do it. One one's brutal too. That's the right. one where you have to get a hundred percent on every test, or right. they kick you out. Yeah, yeah. But once you got acquisition, I would say. Yeah, you go to the, the defense acquisitions university, university, and you yep. sign up there, and yeah, you can take them all online, and they actually look really good on a resume. And some right. of them take like ten minutes. Right. Some of them are longer. Right. But they look really good on a resume. And that would separate. So for things that separated me. Here's the here's one thing I've learned. You know, twenty years of GWAT, we all think we're special. Every little snowflake, you know. It, 20 years of guys like you and I have been getting out of the army. Mm-hmm. It's pretty populated across the different industries. Whatever yes. industry you get into, yep. you are not as unique as you think you You're are. You're not, no. You know, so how do you, or how are you going to show a company what your diversity is? What yeah. makes you different or any any different than this Ranger mm-hmm. or this NSW guy or this yep. SF guy? You know, so like 
having things in there for like for me it was uh time at army marksmanship unit you yep. know being being a nationally distinguished shooter mm. um having acquisitions and time yeah. in the eight shop. Those are things that you don't see across most planes in, you know? Yeah. So if you have the opportunity to do that while you're still active, by all means take it. If you yeah. have to go do a, you know, everybody's got to go do a staff job at some point. Yeah. If you can try to walk your way into there, mm. you know, yeah. it, it'll set you up a lot more than being the land NCO. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Yeah. To, to distinguish yourself from other people. The eight shops are always looking for good guys with specific commodity expertise, guns, right. trucks, you know, optics, uniform, you know, a- anything like that. Yeah, that's a really good advice. Um, when, when you went in there, did you have to set your salary and all that? We're not going to talk about salary, but did, uh, did you like reach out to friends and go, how much? Should-? I did, yeah. Because yeah, I, no, I would like, have no idea. Yeah. How do you value yourself? Yeah. You know, like yeah. it's, yeah, no idea. Yeah. And I yeah. just came out of the gas and oil where the industry, that industry pays really high. Yeah. You know, so yeah. again, I had a really bad idea of where you fit in that scale yeah you know yeah. so yeah i reached out i had a lot of buddies obviously luckily in, yep. the, in the industry like hey mm-hmm. man like what what should i be looking at i know right you yeah. know yeah and that's that network we talked about earlier on it's so important um so four years at daniels yeah just under four yeah okay cool and then uh, you've been shooting competitively what the whole time you were there right yeah I actually shooting. shot for daniel defense which was cool yeah yeah and that that a uh, that's a sniper comp you and Tom one up yeah, where, where you went across the mountains. Yep. And yeah, yeah. That, that, what was that called? It's the Sniper Adventure Challenge. It's yeah. It's hosted by uh, Competition Dynamics, and that is a swift kick in the balls. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh, brother. Like, Man, so me and – I was still in when me, me and Tom did it the first time. Right? Yeah. I was in the process of, of, uh, of transition. I had my last year, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, me and Tom were sitting by the fire at his house, you know, out there in Buena Vista, and we're just – kicking you know he's been out for a couple of years now and mm. we're talking about man remember remember when we used to be hard yeah. you know we were having those those philosophical debates yeah. over over a fire and some beers and he's like man let's get weighed and measured again it's good to be weighed and measured you know let's let's go do something hard mm-hmm. and uh he's like yeah we both agreed and then uh, this thing popped up. he's like dave i found it we had no idea kevin what we were getting into yeah holy yeah. shit we won it that year but man at a cost <laughs> brother <laughs> The biggest, you're not old, but the biggest danger to an old man is thinking he's a young man. Oh yeah. my gosh, yeah. <laughs> but what is it? The, the greatest thing an old man can teach a young man is how to be an old man? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so you, you moved on from Daniels? I did, yeah. So, um, you know, great company, really was doing well there. But it was one of those things, like if I was going to progress any higher, I had to move to Savannah, you know? Yeah. And I just, I really didn't want to do that. Mm. Um you know, and then when you work anywhere for a little while, you start, you know, you start getting, you know, you start looking outside yep. the other side of the fence. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, I got an offer, you know, a little bit more money and a different pay rate or a different, you know, position raise. And I was like, okay. And it was also like, again, they're standing up, a, a, a into an environment they'd never been in. So they want to establish this footprint. And I was like, yeah. oh, so it's challenging. Mm-hmm. Like I want to do that. I didn't know the right questions to ask, mm. you know, in hindsight being 2020, it was a really poor choice to 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 make that jump yeah um had i had known um or had i even taken some more advice from some of my peers i, I probably would have things would have done a little different but at the one year mark mm. uh there at cmc triggers uh we decided to go our separate ways we're like okay. this this doesn't work for you it doesn't work for me went our separate ways and then um I remember you left Daniels and somebody told me, I think Wish told me, and I was surprised that you left Daniels because I know you were very well established there. You yeah, know? and and still um, have a great relationship. I mean, mm-hmm. we have really good rapport. Like, yeah. it's a it's a great company. It's a very professional company. Very. Yeah, absolutely. So then you moved uh, to Maxim. 
Well, yeah, but in between there, while I was waiting, you know, doing that, uh, me and my fiance stood up our own company. So we stood up uh, Whetstone, okay. uh, Whetstone Consulting, and was doing, uh, you know, marksmanship classes. You know, she's doing some marketing, you know, because she has a background in marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been doing that, and then on, that kind of tied into uh, Tactical Hive. I got introduced to Tactical Hive and be, you know, was asked, you know, if I consider coming on as a as a subject matter expert there and. Had a couple of good conversations with Miles, and that's what I did. I, I jumped over and became an SME for Tactical Hive. And what does Tactical Hive do? So they're like the Angie's list of vetted tactical instructors. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of courses out there, and I'm, you've seen it. You know, oh, yeah. yeah. Just because and we talked about 20 years of soft dudes getting out. Just mm-hmm. because you were, don't mean you are, and just because yeah. you did, don't mean you can teach it. You know, Absolutely. and uh, so this this guy, you know, wants to build the Angie's list of vetted, no kidding, tactical instructors. Like, you know, it's, you got a good standing in the community. You got a good standing in, you know, knowledge base. You got good experiences to draw back from. It's yeah. not, you didn't go to a couple of classes and then all of a sudden now, bam. Yeah. Watching YouTube videos. Right. And that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so, and, uh, so you, you, you consult with them? Yes. The tactical hive. Yeah. Okay. Teach for them, train for them. And then, uh, I was doing consulting on, on the side. Actually, I was actually starting to maybe do consulting for a uh, whetstone. Uh, or Weston for uh, for Maxim. Me and yeah. CJ have been talking, mm-hmm. and then uh, they just offered me. You know, me and he offered me a position. I was like, oh, that's perfect. So mm. I just took a position recent, really recent. Like I'm brand new, super cherry. Okay, um, tell me what you know about Maxim. Oh man, so <laughs> yeah, they're uh, you know, pressure's on, right? Yeah. Uh, so they started off. Um, I met the owner Michael. Uh, I think it was four years ago at Sophic the first year, mm. and he kind of started like he had this new. Um, collapsible buttstock for like PDWs, you know, and he he had broken the bar- barrier on how to really get a buttstock short, yeah. you know, that had all these other great things, you know, the other ones failed, mm. made a great buttstock. That they just slowly grew into like, okay, so that's done well and it has some traction. Like, why don't we just make a full gun? So that turned into the PDW side of the line. And then they're like, hey, what are, what is no one else doing? Um, like the, the way they, they made, the, <laughs> they have a five and a half inch, PDW, you know, it, it normally, you know, a five and a half inch, yeah. 308 or no, seven, six, two by 39, yeah. a 300 blackout and a five, five, six. I mean, those are flamethrowers, yeah. you know, so yeah. they, they designed this thing called the hate break on the end, you know, yeah. produces all, you know, the majority of, if not, if not most all uh, signature, Wow, you know, it's, yeah. it's really good. That's that gun, hard to do. That's very short hard. barrel. Yeah. 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 Five and a half inch barrel. Yeah. You know, because yeah, you're burning so much gas after, you know, right. Yeah. And then having, and not over gassing it because, you know, five, so it cycles with no matter what you throw in it, mm. you know, like yeah. it'll, it'll shoot wolf ammo or it'll shoot, you know, yeah. Premium. It's a sweet little gun, man. man yeah. I got two of them in there and I can't wait to shoot that thing, man. It's yeah. pretty badass. Yeah. Um, so you're, you're, you're with Maximum Defense now for a little while and you're in Phoenix, right? Yep, so we're, yep. we're going to, we, we talked about getting you up here maybe to help us teach some courses, man. That, that'd be awesome. I'd love to yeah. do it. Yeah, I'd love to come AI with you. Because you got a lot of skills in a lot of different areas. So um, what's next, man? What's, what's the five-year plan? Oh man, five year plan. I need to wipe that up probably. I don't probably. have a five year plan yeah, I either. I just take a day to day, but I, I just wondered, yeah. I'm getting married in September. Oh, you are? Yeah. Okay. So I'm so excited. That's, that's significant. That's yeah. significant. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Um, I never really asked you, and I don't know if you want to talk about it, but once you got out and the, the, the 100 mile an hour stopped, any any problems adapting to the outside world? To, to, did you bounce? You obviously bounced around a little bit. Were you looking for something that, that you, you hadn't found? Were you 
Um, because PTSD, we talked about it. PTSD for guys like us is not, oh, I'm so regretful that I shot that yeah, guy. Right, yeah. no, I do no. it right now. If you put me in the same situation, right. it's going from being the guy, right, to, to losing that sense of purpose. And I've talked about this before. Personally, a few things helped me. Number one, I came straight here to work, like right out the gate, right? Yeah, yeah. And we still do gun stuff, and I'm still with team guys mostly. Um, I don't drink, which I think helped me. And then I took a knee for three years and taught at sniper school, which probably helped you a lot. And I don't know if you've ever thought of that. Going to SEER for three years at a Ranger Regiment probably helped you a lot, more than you, more than just getting that that break it, it took you out of the fight for a couple of years let you take a knee and, and then go back you know have you have you thought about your transition and how you because some guys don't make it man some guys yeah, some yeah. guys go home drink beer and then and then i'm you know, eating a glock you know yeah. have you thought about how that transition has went for you and and what the the things you did that helped you get get through that piece i mean i don't know i think that uh I think we're all in some degree. I can only speak for myself. You know, I'm still transitioning. Yeah. You know, yeah. and like, I on one hand, I like having the experience I've had in the gun industry. Yeah. You know, but on the other hand, I don't. I, I don't like, you know, like going from a company to a company to company. You know, I want to be more rock yeah. solid. You know, I yeah. want to be that guy twelve yeah. years at Dana Defense. You know, mm-hmm. I want to be that guy twelve years at Maxim. Yeah. You know, I'm at Maxim now. Like, I don't have any. Like, I'm not looking to jump or go. Like, I want to build that into yeah. something bigger, right? Yeah. Is there an attraction? I'm sorry. Is there an attraction to step into a company like Maxim that's starting and you can be part of yes. the evolution, part yeah. of the growth? You yeah. Know, and for me, what was really good was I found myself drawn to jobs that still kept me around the boys. Yeah. You know, and I, yeah. I've been either in the military sales or something around there. So, mm-hmm. you know, even when I was out, I come by and see you. Yeah. You, you know, yeah. I, yeah. I'm at Bragg. I'm at Campbell, I'm wherever. Mm-hmm. I'm still around the boys. I'm still around a community. Yeah. And one thing I was also say is is like we were talking about this earlier, you and I, uh, Ranger Regiment, one unique thing I think about Regiment is, man, they do a great job of brotherhood. Yeah. There's so many like Rangers are pretty tight and yeah. and, and, and you know, we need that. Yeah, they, I think they do a better job than than anybody. And it's certainly better than SF, you know. Um to keep that brotherhood even when you've left. Yeah. And like um that that's really cool. Um, yeah, there's there's an attraction in in uh, picking up a, a something new, new, a new something new and being yeah. involved in in the the evolution of it. You yeah. know, it's something exciting and it's something you can uh, address with your background, and your skills, and your experiences. You know, um, any regrets? Mm. Yeah, don't we all? Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah. Um, anything you want to share? No. No. Okay. Fair enough. All right. We're at uh, an hour forty-three. Not too bad. Yeah. Not too Went bad. Went quick, right? Yeah. Um, not too bad, right? This yeah. is your first podcast. It's like a practical exam. It's okay, right? Yeah. Went so bad. Glad it's over. <laughs> All right, um, Dave. I appreciate you coming on. No, man. Kevin. Thanks really, for having me. I I enjoyed this. I really did. Yeah. 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 And and you know you, we we didn't talk about it when it happens, but your kids are going to listen to this. And yeah. they're going to get a, a, a glimpse behind the curtain of stuff that you probably never talked about, you know? Hmm. For me, that was actually a really good thing because I, I'd never told my kids anything about what I did. And they get they get to hear the story from start to finish yeah. um, in, in while they're driving, you yeah, know? So right. it's actually a pretty cool thing. But I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. No, brother, and I look forward me. to working with you in the future since you're you're in the area now. Yeah, I'm like 65 miles from you. Awesome. Sweet. Yeah. And it's, it's nice up here. So yeah. you get an excuse to come up. All right. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, man. All right. That's it. Uh, Until next time, stay alert, stay alive. 